Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. You've got your lines open at one 104 106 It's very interesting. Uh, Stephen Donnelly was on uh, RT yesterday uh, on the 1 o'clock news uh, with Justin McCarthy. In fairness, I thought Justin McCarthy's interview yesterday with Stephen Donnelly was absolutely incredible. He just nailed all the questions. You ever hear an interview where somebody just nailed every single question that you wanted asking? I think that happened yesterday with Justin. Um, but one or two things was the ESRI report that's out. It's kind of buried away in the Echo this morning. Um, maybe it's a busy day for the Echo, but at least it's in the paper where they say the research from the ESRI is now saying, and I think this is shocking, that 37% of indoor diners in pubs said they were not asked for certification compared with 21% the previous month. So it's increasing. I mean, that's over one in three people not being asked for any kind of certification, which is kind of sad and very disappointing, considering that the hospitality sector en masse had said, we are capable of doing this properly. We will be able to regulate. We will be able to police it. We will have all of the uh, the protocols in place to make this work. And yet 37% of people surveyed have said they were never asked for any COVID cert and weren't asked for a QR code. So that's very alarming, very disappointing, particularly for the other 60-odd percent of pubs and restaurants that are compliant and that are asking and probably are getting grief from customers but are continuing to do it nonetheless. So that's unfortunate, uh, to say the least. On top of all of that, um, if you thought that they were going to roll out free antigen tests, you can forget about it. You'd be lucky if the government give you a, a discount on them. North of the border, they're free. In the UK, they're free. You can walk into chemists and pharmacies and get them as much as you want. Uh, but here, of course, nah. Ain't going to happen. You're going to get an antigen test. You're probably going to have to pay for it. Meanwhile, of course, we hear in the front of the Echo this morning that the CUH is full uh, to bursting. uh, And um, with the winter upon us now and heading into the winter, uh, they're trying to contend with winter illnesses. They're trying to deal with people with cancers, traumas, heart attacks, strokes, while also, of course, trying to deal with patients who are very sick due to COVID-19. So that's where we're at going into the winter. Um, and uh, there's an interesting one regarding hospitals, actually, that the Independent has. They're saying uh, that patients who are served up food in hospitals are only eating about half of it. And that um, 5,600 tonnes of food are being thrown out and dumped as waste every year. Over 5,500 tons of perfectly good food. They're leaving up to 49% of their meals on their plate. Um, uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know it's things like bread and apparently fruit and sandwiches and they prepare a surplus of food, much of it untouched and it could of course be donated to local charities or to non-profit social enterprise but it's not. It's, it's just dumped instead. And apparently the menus in a lot of hospitals have got bigger and there's more choice now than ever before. And that, of course, has led to astronomical amounts of waste. Uh, and there really should be no waste. Uh, I, I don't know why it's just dumped. Mother of God, you would think some kind of a plan could be brought in where they could reuse it or distribute it. And then, of course, they're all talking about rolling out boosters uh, this, uh, this side of Christmas too, I suppose. Save Christmas, maybe. Uh, but certainly when I mentioned, um, you know, the COVID antigen test, that's the story that's picked up in the star today, that there will be antigen test kits available um, for, for anyone that wants them. You know, I mean, you could be double jabbed and boosted, but you still might want an antigen test to make sure you're safe. You may be unvaccinated and can have an antigen test. And if th- that proves negative, you should be allowed into places. 
but you'll have to pay. And uh, that plan, I mean, it's, it's, it's very disingenuous to be saying, you know, we all need to knuckle down and we all need to pull together and this isn't about the government, this is about the people. So help them, for God's sake, and give them antigen tests. I mean, why should they have to pay for it? Uh, the U.S. reopened its borders to Irish visitors, not just Irish, but all over the world, and that makes the papers today. It's like, well, it must be, what, 20 months, maybe longer, since people go fly into the north. And I see Van Morrison is being sued by the Northern Ireland's uh, health minister. He's suing Van Morrison, and this is COVID-related because of Van Morrison criticising him a number of times, both on stage and on social media, over his handling of the COVID-19 restrictions. So he's taken Van the man to court and cinemas are going punters are going back to cinemas in their absolute droves maybe it's just that there's good movies or people just want to get out from their own goggle box and do a bit of socialising so apparently uh, 400,000 in the week ending the back end of October which is the highest level of cinema viewing since before COVID so it's great to see people heading back again and then there's a, a chap um, down Douglas Way a fellow called Daniel Weaver who was before the courts uh, the back end of last week uh, a special sitting of the Cork District Court charged with an alleged threat to um, um, a UK female Labour MP apparently uh, and that's an interesting story that makes the this morning's uh, echo and they also talk to Dog the animal the Dog Action Welfare Group who are saying and we've heard this in the past you know people got dogs and they got puppies that they got fed up of well apparently Dog Action Group have had a tenfold rise in calls just to take back dogs or to take dogs that once were puppies and no longer needed. It's a lovely story uh, on Lee's side this morning in the echo of the High Hopes Choir. Uh, and of course, we always associate the High Hopes Choir as the Cork Penny Dinners High Hopes Choir. And they were out raising people's spirits at the weekend and they did a fabulous um, performance on Patrick Street on Saturday. And it was just a lovely, lovely thing to hear them. I wasn't there, but I see the photographs in the papers today. And it's lovely. And also Nano Nagel Place features in the echo today. Because they are going to host a number of markets in the run-up to Christmas. I think that's fabulous to have as many Christmas markets as possible. And I can't think of a nicer place than Nanonago Place to have some Christmas markets. I hope they do it year in, year out. Uh, also, the papers this morning talk of uh, Roy Keane. And sure, why wouldn't they? We love him on Lee's side. But um, the tabloids uh, have a bit of a field day with Roy. And I'm not so sure that it's altogether fair to have headlines like in the front of this morning's mirror, Roy's Red Rage. We only see a little bit of the video clip that involved Roy and some fan. Apparently, um, he uh, was there supporting the Red Devils, who lost 2-0 to Man City on Saturday. And then he was signing autographs afterwards outside. Uh, And it, it looks as if he got a hard time for not signing enough photographs, particularly one guy. Uh, he'd just seen his beloved Reds go down tamely to City, according to the Red Tops, and he didn't take the criticism lightly. That's what the tabloids are saying this morning. As he stopped to sign a programme, uh, the fan says, you're a legend in this club. And then Keane responds to him, and it, it kind of half kicked off. What we don't know is what was said beforehand. Um, but I, I think that this audio... You should be able to make it out. If you haven't heard it, it's making all the papers today. They're having a field day at Roy's Red Rage. Yeah, I'm good. You're a legend. Yeah, I'm good. Roy! I'm signing autographs. I'm signing autographs. Like what? Do you like what? What can I do? And that's me. What do you do? 
Oh, you've had a few drinks. They got big. Oh, All right, mate, you've had a few drinks. Come on, come on. You've had a few drinks. You can tell. What have you got? Two pints. Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's a bit there's a bit beeped out in that, which I don't know, but. Did your man call Roy Keane a foul word or an abusive word or pass some kind of remark? I, I don't know. Uh, and was that part of the narrative? But Joe Shea in the Mirror this morning says uh, that there's only one man for the top job in Ireland and Micheál Martin should just move aside and let Keane in. Um, he says that uh, some thundering Egypt starts giving him guff about not signing autographs. But uh, imagine if Roy was running the country, putting his trademark no-nonsense style um, he says he'd probably get an awful lot more work done an awful lot faster and wouldn't have to work weekends. And the papers this morning talk also of dads because children whose fathers play with them are happier. Do we need research to tell us this kind of stuff? But apparently so. A good relationship with your daddy means the children are happier, they're less anxious and they're more engaged in physical activity. And the dads who are more involved in caring for their children as infants and baby say that they then go on to have better quality relationships when the children are older. So get stuck into that, lads. You'll have regrets later in life. And talking about regrets, the Times UK has a list of things that in the UK people bought during all of the various lockdowns and now regret. So this is billions of pounds in wasted stuff like gaming equipment and tools and carpentry equipment and stuff for the shed, too much clothing and shoes, gym equipment that seemed like a good idea at the time and now is just sitting there unused, musical instruments. Now while an awful lot of people probably bought musical instruments and didn't try to play them and master them, others did in fairness. So pizza ovens, hot tubs and jacuzzis, uh, hobbies like fishing or golf that they thought was a good idea at the time, but never threw a fly, never threw a fly nor hit a ball. Scooters, garden furniture, surely be to God you'd have got use of Who'd regret garden furniture, particularly if you got a bit of weather in all fairness? The Neil Prenderville Show. Keith Anderson, good morning. And good morning to you too, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Not at all, man. It's good to talk to you. I've seen your wonderful, wonderful piece of art on the front of the Holly Bow. Then I looked at your website and my God, there is just literally dozens of other beautiful place pieces. Congratulations on your work. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I'll talk to you in a few minutes as well about the housing crisis that you find yourself in, which is actually representative of many people. But just with regards to your talent, um, I was chatting with John Dolan, the editor of The Holly Bow. He says that you're 100% self-taught. Is that right? Completely, yeah. He's a great man, by the way, Neil. He's, he, he, I loved working with him. It, it was brilliant. Brilliant experience. Yeah, it gave you a great opportunity to show your work. But just talk to me about Absolutely, that. I mean, yeah. like, because the detail is just astonishing. Is there no training at all apart from, you know, what came out of your heart and your head? That's 100% it, 100%. Um, I never, I, I, there's there's a thing going, like I, I've said that I never did it in school, but technically for the last year of secondary school, I did manage to switch over from whatever subject I was doing to get to do it in the leaving cert. But what happened was I didn't necessarily learn anything in that year and it was mostly art history. So, you know, essentially I'm completely self-taught, yeah. Where'd you go to school? Douglas Calm. All right, so you're not living too far from where you went to school. Actually, we're kind of half neighbours ourselves. But the detail is is just amazing. Um, it's is it? How do you do it? Is it like eating an elephant, like one piece at a time? 
If you were to look, and you know, it's funny you ask me that because if you're to look at the whole thing as in the big picture, you it's a very daunting task. Yeah. To, like, so what I do when I'm working on a section, that's all I look at. I don't really concern myself with how am I going to get to the next stage or the next stage because they're massive. You see, what you can't understand, what you mightn't appreciate from what what you might see online is the size of these paintings. You yeah. know, a, a photograph on a laptop or a phone really doesn't do them justice. You know, some of them take me up to two, 250 hours to complete. Oh, my God. Like, th- there's two or three in particular. I mean, there's a beautiful one of Bell's Field. Then there's an aerial view of the entire city centre. And then there's a third one, yeah. which is a gorgeous piece in the top of Patrick's Hill. So you just deal with yeah. one small section of it at a time. And do you start in the middle or where would you start? <laughs> There's, you know, what's the saying? There's, there's more than one way to bake a cake. Is that a saying? Yeah. Well, there's the right <laughs> there's way no, and the wrong way, I suppose. There's, a, <laughs> <laughs> they, there's no, there's no set way as such. It's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of because I don't have any formal training and because I've taught myself. I suppose I just have my own, my own strange ways of doing things. And I've often seen guys on uh, professional artists and stuff, and they're showing. You know, I'd watch stuff on YouTube and things like that. And they really do things very differently from yeah, me, but it's just it's it's just it's beautiful. There's a gorgeous one of a bus going over um, Patrick's Bridge. Then there's another gorgeous one of Morrison's Island, and a lovely one then uh, that Electric should probably buy. Maybe they've bought it already, which is on the water, looking over at Electric over Parliament Bridge. They're just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic selection. Are you selling many of them? Yeah, I took. Uh, well, I, well, firstly, I took all the photographs um, for those paintings myself, and um, you know, because we're 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 very lucky in Cork with the landmarks and the, the, the different views. Um, you know, you could spend your life painting Cork. There's that much. You love it, and um, yeah. yeah. And in respect of selling, no, not not really, Neil. To be honest. Um, you know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. See, I know the hours that I put into these paintings. Yeah. And I know the work. And, it, you know, they, they get appreciated and you get lovely comments and stuff like that. And that's great. But it's, you know, it's when people make inquiries about them, then it's kind of, geez, how do I sell something that I've put 250 hours work ah, into? Well, that's, I mean, so, sure, you might say that about the original or indeed, you know, maybe the Liam Gallagher portrait or the original of Luke Kelly or perhaps something like uh, Peaky Blinders. Um, I, I kind of have Roy Keane. Or Roy Keane, yeah. But I mean, the prints are fantastic value because people are yeah. constantly crying out for a gift for somebody. So for me, one exactly. of your prints of Cork, for somebody who loves Cork or knows somebody who loves Cork, for 150 or 200 euro, I think it's money really well spent. Well, they're very high quality. I've cr- I see. I'm um, I'm in the process of creating a business because it's my passion, yeah. and I'm not going to stop until I succeed at it. You know, um, I I just refuse. To, I'll never not do what I'm doing, and I will make it a success. At the moment, it's just it's 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 kind of it's slow to get it going. But I'm in the process of working with um, the Cork City Partnership in, in creating a business with uh, Tony O'Regan and. They're going to mentor me, hopefully, but that's the plan and kind of make, you know, I just want to do it right. I want to be, I want it to be a success. Um, a friend of mine, she built me a website very recently. She put massive amounts of hours into it. I'm absolutely thrilled that's with it. That's Aoife Doriti. Um, she built, am I yeah. pronouncing your name right? I hope I am. She built uh, KeithAndersonArt.ie. Yeah. Yeah, she's a great bit of stuff. She's absolutely, she's a multi-talent. She's a businesswoman herself. And the time that she put in to create my website was just phenomenal. 
It's a top class website, um, and also thank you. Um, it, it, like just looking again, I know I know some artists like you have gone digital now. They're using a digital pen, almost like a the pen that comes with an iPhone, and they can tap the color on their screen and change all of that. You don't do any of that, do you? No, 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 no. I would. I'm barely able to use a phone. <laughs> so yours, yours are pencils, or else they're oils. Oil on canvas and pencil on uh, on on paper. Yeah, yes, absolutely. My pencil, my pencil portraits. They're fair. I mean, pencil would be my first love. It's what I. Ta- it's how I taught myself. I mean, if you can imagine when you were when we were kids, you know, it, 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 everyone had a crayon and a piece of paper or <laughs> markers or a pencil, and I just progressed and progressed. I started painting about ten years ago, ten twelve years ago. I fell in love with that also. Yeah. But yeah. it's my pencils are what I really, really I get. I go high, high detail with them. I just absolutely, love absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to have an incredible amount of patience, though, do you? Well, my daughter would disagree with you because when I'm stuck in the traffic light, she says, uh, "I don't know how you manage to do those pictures because I just have no patience." It's amazing. She must be very proud to have it in the front of the Hollybow. I think she's she's also taken. Is she going to go to the School of Art now that she's finishing? Was she about eighteen? I think. Am I right? She just turned 18 in September and she's doing a one-year portfolio course in um, Stefan Nefer. That's with Tremor Road. That's Leah. And I suppose the, going, apple, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree then. Well, she's going to go... She's, but the plan is she's going to go on to uh, Crawford oh, next fantastic. year then after that. Fantastic. I know. You know, Aoife was saying to me actually that artists really don't make money until they're dead. But I think that people yeah. are just missing out on a big one by not checking out your art. It's astonishing. You must, as I say, you must really love your city. Yeah, and but the, the ironic thing about it is, Neil, I wasn't born here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm originally I'm from Dublin. I came down here when I, my parents came down when I was eight. And so I don't really cast myself as a true Corkman, but I don't, I don't regard myself as a dub either. I'm All in between. Right. Okay, you're a hybrid. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're a Cork Dublin hybrid. <laughs> I, I know, I know that she is very proud of you because you're a wonderful dad, and you, you're a single dad. Am I right? Yeah, Leah lives with me. She has done for about four or five years now. Yeah, but there's a bit of a, a crisis in the offing because while you're on the front of the Holly Bow and you've got your own website and you're creating beautiful art, forgive me for saying this. I know you don't mind me saying this, but you could soon find yourself homeless. Um, that's the stark reality of it, Neil. In four weeks, at the end of this month, I will be declaring myself as homeless because I've, I'm, the people that I'm renting the apartment off in Maryborough are they're selling, and for for good reasons. You know, it's, it's, yeah. they've been absolutely amazing with me. I couldn't have asked for better people to be renting off, but they're in a position where they need to sell their apartment, and they've actually extended my time over the six months that I should have had to seven, and I have literally spent. I suppose the last five months trying to find somewhere and I'm, I haven't even gotten, I barely get a reply. So you're trawling the estate agents and daft.ie along yeah. with what, like thousands and thousands of other applicants? Well, I'll give you an example, Neil. This mor- yesterday morning I went on, um, I, I'm hooked up so that I get notifications when stuff comes in. And if you don't hear your phone pinging and you might see it an hour later, I went and I saw I had an email and it was for uh, a property and, um, by the time I had a look at it, which was an hour after it went online, it had been viewed over 7,000 times. Oh, my God. You're joking me. The 7,000 different no. people? It wouldn't be the same people three or four times, no? God, I, that, oh. no, I don't know the answer to, but this 7, is consistent. This hour. wasn't just, yeah, in a, every, in a couple of hours, yeah, without a doubt. 
and and yeah. and, it, and, and it is and it is true like threshold have told you that um you will be officially listed as as homeless um 10 yeah, days before to, 10 yeah. days before your eviction notice runs out yeah and, yeah and basically and it's not it's not for the want of rent i mean you you got the rent to pay and everything it's not a problem god on my well i'll tell you what neil um, and i didn't know i would be be discussing this really but i'm 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 in receipt of a rent supplement yeah why not you're entitled and, to it well yeah but but the plan is like with the, with the, everything i'm very grateful for all the things that are happening for me at the moment with the holly bow where I, I had a lovely feature in the examiner and like and as i told you i'm creating this business i want to be self-sustainable but at and i and, and i guarantee you if you come back to me in 12 months time we'll be having a very different conversation because i will make a go of it but at this very moment in time yeah, it's it's quite bad. And what will you do? I mean, have you anywhere? Do do you have any plan B if it's seven thousand viewing a property every single hour? Like, what are you going to do? Well, do you know? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Do you know what? No, when when I found out when when I got confirmation that they were selling the apartment, I ha- and I just I saw right. I have six months. I didn't give. I didn't bat an eyelid. I didn't I didn't pay attention. I thought there's no problem. I have six months. So for the first few weeks, I never even looked because yeah. I just thought I've got plenty of time. Yeah. And then the reality hit me when I started looking. And day by day, it's, it's quite demoralizing, actually. And it's just it's rolled on and rolled on. And I don't have an answer to what I'm going to do, if, is the truth. And I suppose the realization came to you as well that because uh, you probably heard the stories of others over the recent past, not too recent past, to be honest, who are desperate to find something. But now you're actually in the middle of that yourself, that crisis that others are in. It's unreal. It's surreal. Um, and uh, you know, and I and I'm the first to admit it. I do that. Um, do you know? Do you ever hear the ostrich syndrome, where yeah. you bury your head in the sand? Yeah. I'm at, like I, for a while, I acted like it wasn't happening. Yeah. I just I, I was confident I'd sorted, but I am at a position now where it's it's very worrying. Did you get any viewing at all in all those months? No, I got two. I, I've I've had about three replies. And um, what happens is if you're not in quick enough, they, see, they're all through letting agencies. Yeah, I know. And yeah. if, you, if you're not on the ball and you're not in, not in quick enough, the amount of emails, because I've spoken to people, the amount of emails that they're receiving for every property is it, they can't even keep up with it. So I suppose there's a cutoff point when X amount comes in and they get back to them. And because of the fact that I'm, um, I'm on a rent supplement, it kind of puts me out of the game. <sighs> but Why? You know, I, mean, I, I think uh, a rent, rent that, supplement uh, is guaranteed income. It's not as if you're going to be struggling to pay the rent, for God's sake. I, I couldn't agree more with you, but it's the uh, harsh reality is a lot of the applications they're asking for your, like I had to fill, I, I, there was one I was actually quite disgusted that I even applied for it because like, I just thought, geez, I don't know why I'm doing this yeah. when I knew I wasn't going to get it anyway. But they wanted my bank details and like I had to download my my, my, my bank history, uh, show do, what's yeah. going into my account. What, yeah. And, and I just, you know. It's very invasive, isn't it? Yeah, it's very invasive. Some, it's, some also asked for pay slips. You were never asked for a pay slip, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, and then that's where, I, like, because of because I'm creating what I'm creating, I don't have a proof of a, of an income at the moment, and they're not interested. They just there's too many people. I mean, just what are you going to do? You're going to deal with someone like me who doesn't have that, or are you going to deal with the professional that has the. I don't know X amount coming in every week. Every no, month. I know. I mean, it's just a. It, it's it's a, it's a, it's a. You know, how can I put this? Um, it's it's a story that kind of tra- attracted my attention because of your success as an artist. But yet, bubbling below the art, of course, is is the turmoil oh. of being homeless. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've no idea how much I know. Yeah. 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 And what would happen then? Would would threshold 
put you in a B and B, or would they break you and Leah up, or, or what would happen? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. I I hand on heart have no answer for you because I don't know. But you won't, be, you won't be able to paint, it. you know, without somewhere to live. I haven't. I've Aaron Neil. Truth be told, I haven't really painted or done anything in the last few weeks because it's really it's kicking in. You know what the reality, and I don't have the motivation at the minute to to really concentrate on it because my my mind is elsewhere. God Almighty, that's a shame, isn't it? It really and truly is a shame. Yeah, it'll, I'll I'll fix it. I always do. You know, I will fix it. But at the moment, it's just it's not great. I mean, what surprised me when I when I contacted Threshold and I explained my situation, I was a bit surprised that. And, and, and listen, don't get me wrong. I completely appreciate the people I spoke to over the phone. They were just being honest and telling me the way it is. But that not to get back in touch until ten days before I'm to leave. I mean, it just doesn't sound like that's given them much time to help me out or do whatever. Well, I think they probably say that because you may get fixed between now and then. And, uh, you know, they may not want to invest time in in your case until then, you know. Totally understand that. Completely understand that. But the reality of it is, um, from what my experience has been over the past few months, I can't see anything changing. I know what you're saying. And you're not fussy or choosy geographically or anything. No, I'm, I, I want to be able to get my daughter. There's no buses travel to where she goes to do her um, her college. Yeah. So I, I, I drop and collect. Apart from that, I don't care. Yeah, no. yeah. Is this a house or an apartment or what? You were in an apartment at the moment. Neil, I don't care. I honestly, I couldn't care less. Okay. I'm not the least bit fussy. Okay, you just want somewhere comfortable to live to get on with your That's life all. and get on with your art. Listen, you never, That's you it. never know who might be listening. You know, we have some success, although it's one of those areas where we're having less and less success. I'll be absolutely honest with you because of demand. Yeah, but you never know who yeah, might be I listening know. that might pick up the phone and and have something that might suit. I think it will be a great thing if that happens. You know. But, you know well, I really do appreciate it. But by sharing your story, of course, you are also, um, you know, letting people know that you know. If, if they have somewhere to live, how lucky they are and how grateful we should it's, all be to have a roof over our head. I took it for granted. <laughs> you know, I think most people do until it kicked in that my reality is what it is. And it's an eye opener. You know, it just I never pictured myself being in this position, really. Well, good luck with the hunt over the coming weeks. But really, people yeah. need to check out your art. And if they're looking for a Christmas gift for a loved one who loves their city or indeed perhaps a portrait of their favorite sports star musician there's a beautiful one of gay burn there's a gorgeous <laughs> yeah, one of anthony hopkins right. and you, you probably do commission work as well do you i do i do i accept commissions yeah it's just a wonderful talent that you have i'm so well, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what i'm going to do because uh, i appreciate you giving me the time i'm going to um i'm going to send you personally a copy of the one from pa- uh, a print of the one from the top of patrick's hill <laughs> You don't have to do that, man. You don't, but it's very... Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to. Well, listen, I I would absolutely love it. I would absolutely love it. Um, I don't know, will I I keep that or will I give it away on air? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Maybe if we do an an on-air... that's entirely your call. Entirely your call. Oh, God. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to keep it, but I want to give it away as well. Well, I'll okay. tell you what, and before, before, before you let me go, Neil, um, I just want to give a mention that um, Enable Ireland got, got in touch with me a couple of months ago. They wanted to uh, use one of my images as a, as to, to put on a Christmas card for fundraising. Um, Maria wow. Desmond is the vice, she's the, uh, the regional fundraising manager. 
and those cards come out in the next couple of days if not already and so that'll be worth people maybe picking up it's a really good cause okay it is and good luck with it I've just while you're while you're talking there I've just been thinking send me one of them I'll give it away on air and this afternoon I'll go online and buy another myself okay have we a deal you're an absolute gent. That's the that's the fairest way to do this. All right. Listen, Keith, would you do, do you know do, would you, do you know uh, a couple of weeks I have a funny one for you. A couple of weeks ago I was in town with my daughter and we were walking down um, the Grand Parade and we saw you sitting and uh, you were sitting outside the English market and I was going to go over to you and ask you to give me a plug because I was going to tell you about the Holly Bowl. You should have done. And my man. daughter was mar- well no listen <laughs> my daughter was mortified so we walked down a little bit you had your push bike and you were sitting down hey, excuse, I, I excuse me that's an electric bike how dare you <laughs> oh is it <laughs> my bad and uh, I plucked I plucked up the courage to go over to you and say hi and just as I got about a foot away from you someone came out of the English market to hand over your meat that was the and, that was uh, the pluck pluck man himself Tim Mulcahy he was bringing me out a turkey breast <laughs> and, and, and I stayed and I stayed there and then my daughter said dad you look like a stalker uh, <laughs> that's a shame man don't let that happen again next time you see me well there you go now come up and say hello yeah, brilliant okay listen thank you we will give away your beautiful view from the hill I'll buy another copy might be that I'm kind of half thinking of one or looking at one or two others so I'll let you know which one I get but get it into me we'll give it away and I hope that your search for a home uh, is a successful one Keith for you and your daughter I really yeah, do yeah look these, th- these things work They'll, it'll work out I know it will I, I won't give up okay my man regards to you and to Leah stay in touch all right I will indeed thanks very much Neil cheers my man everybody needs to check out keithandersonart.ie all the best Keith thank you text the Neil Prenderville show now 086-8104-106 Red FM meet the loveliest guy Keith Anderson a really really lovely guy check out his art keithandersonart.ie he loves the city has an incredible talent and as soon as I get delivery of that beautiful piece uh, that he painted from the top of St. Patrick's Hill right down into the bowl of the city uh, I'll let you know I will organise to give that away hopefully in the coming days lines open at one 104 106 some great prizes this week though with Michelle the Jewellers and uh, you always know that there's a run into Christmas when Michelle the Jewellers are advertising and indeed uh, coming to me with fantastic giveaways and we have a 250 euro voucher every single day Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday and then on Friday a 1000 euro uh, voucher giveaway that you can spend at Michelle the Jewellers. They're celebrating 60 years of being there for you. So every day, 250, and on Friday, a thousand euro. And I'll tell you more about that a little later on this morning, how you can be part of it and how you can win. Now, you know, talking about the run into Christmas, can I just mention this? And I'll go back to your phone calls in a couple of seconds' time. But just as a warning, guard the press, and we're going to see an awful lot more of this now with the run-up to Christmas. I don't mean to freak anybody out or frighten you. It's just so that so you're alert. You will probably see more burglaries now across November and certainly in December. Certainly in December because more people will have things at home. They'll have done shopping, they'll have bought gifts and unfortunately burglars and thieves know about this and they could well be hitting uh, more houses. Like for instance, the Guardian from Moy now are appealing for information regarding two burglaries that uh, occurred in homes uh, last Monday. The first was in Connor in Mallow uh, between 6 and 8 p.m. And they damaged the, I think they got through a front window. Um, thankfully, nothing was reported stolen, stolen, but they certainly got in with malice intent. And then the second took place 
uh, near Formoy uh, between 6 and 7. You notice it, both of these similar times, 6 to 8 and 6 and 7. And in that one in Mallow, uh, a number of items were taken from the property. So please be very, very aware of that. You know, make plans accordingly. If you haven't got some kind of a monitoring or alarm system, I think you should think about it if you can afford to get when they've got cheaper and cheaper these days. But we're on the run up to Christmas. That is a worry. You can text 0868-104-106 and pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. And I ploughed through lots of texts from the back end of last week uh, and interaction with you guys on different topics that we've been dealing with. But one of them um, that I dealt with last week, of course, was when people come across old receipts. You know the old receipts from way back in the day? Pat was on the air last week. We had a good laugh, actually. He found a receipt from his wedding reception in the Metropole in 1973. This was 84 people attending um, the wedding breakfast, I suppose. Everyone's gone by early afternoon and they headed off to Tremor on their honeymoon. The final bill came in at €188.63. They're lovely stories. And we went through the, the drinks bill in particular before we even looked at the food. I think it was chicken and ham and sherry trifle not quite sure I don't remember what the starter was it could have been a soup starter but happy days to see meanwhile apparently Marie can go to 1965 with her wedding receipt Marie good morning good morning Neil. It's, lo- it's lovely chatting with you and you were you, yours was the metropole as well it was the Monster Room in the Metropole. The Monster Room. So 1965, you married Tom McCarthy in Ballafihan Church, is that right? That's right, yeah. And then, and then, ha- and then to the hotel. Tell me about that. Tell me about the receipt. We have um, 50 guests, right? And our um, menu was Lemon Soul for starters which I think, no, at 12 o'clock of the day, you know, <laughs> um, beef, beef and the veg and um, the places and the roast places. And then we had cherry trifle for the Sherry, afternoon. Everybody had trifle, didn't they? <laughs> All the weddings. That was the, that was the only thing there that time, I suppose. There was few enough desserts <laughs> to choose from. <laughs> but um, the, 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 we had to pay a five pound deposit. And um, we had 44 guests. 44 and my drinks guests. were one bottle of sherry with a pound, one bottle of whiskey, two pounds, seven and six, one bottle of brandy, three pounds, ten cents, ten pence, yeah. three dozen of lager, three pounds, nine cents, and then champagne, three pounds, Champagne, says you. Yeah, Pat. Pat had bottles of baby sham. You were very posh. Yeah, we had bottles of baby sham too. We were very grand that time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had gin, and it was flagons of Sidona, which was two flagons of Sidona was uh, five shillings. <laughs> and uh, uh, who was drinking Sidona? Were there kids at the wedding? Only knows. There was, yeah, there was kids at the wedding too. But, um, and then we we were married at 9.30 when my husband is deceased. Now he died. He was only 43. I 44. know, I saw that. But so he sad. died. And um, to, actually, to next week, it's his anniversary, you know. But anyway, we had beautiful, happy, happy years. Yeah, I know, I know but, sure. um, like he was so my, young, wasn't he, Marie? Forty, he was, forty. Yeah. I never think he was. He was opening golf, and he hit the back of his leg with a golf club. Yeah, and um, then they found that he had got a cast in the leg, 
and then he was shifted to the bonds and he had um, cancer below the lung. They found cancer you know? when they went in after the accident yeah. on the golf course. And he was never sick, never ever sick. Oh my God. But anyway, to make the things brighter, we went to Dublin and then we went from Dublin to Jersey and then we went from Jersey to London. You were very posh. <laughs> well, Pat went down to Tremor. You went Dublin, Dublin, London, London, Jersey. In all fairness. As your researchers say, I thought it would be to the Gardens of Remembrance that you went. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Um, you, know, you, know we, when, you know when somebody picks the food, you were a young, young girl now, the lemon sole and the beef and the vegetable and the sherry tribe. Who chose the menu? I did. Did you? Because I thought, I thought that fish would be very grand. And what possessed you to serve lemon sole as a starter in the morning? God only knows. There's nothing wrong with it, incidentally. It's a beautiful, it's not, beautiful thing. Not that early. Not that early. Did you never, I've often had lemon sole for breakfast. Oh, no. Oh, no. Pan oh, fried? No, no? no. I wouldn't look. I don't like fish. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but anyway, I have another receipt here. No, before that. Um, oh, yeah, I have it here. It's a singing, our singer's sewing machine company, right? Yeah. And it was belonged to my grandmother, right? My grandmother reared me because my mother died when I was only two. Oh. And she reared me. And I found the receipt and I have it in a frame. Now, it was the 10th of January, 1935. Go away. That she bought this. And it was £15. Fifteen pounds was a huge pounds. amount of money. It was an awful lot of money at that time. In nineteen thirty-five, was a fortune. Yeah, yeah, it was really, you know. But you know, they were fantastic grandparents to me, you know. And well, I suppose, I suppose you'd agree with me when I say that a sewing machine back in the day was a vital piece of equipment because. People patched and minded and made alterations all the time to clothing and handed them down, and they made their own too, didn't they? Well, it was handed down to my aunt, Annie, and she used to make all the kids' clothes because her husband died fairly young. And, you know, that sewing machine was going up to, I'd say, well, not going, working, but we had it up to, I suppose, 10, 15 years ago. Go away. Yeah. You know, Does anyone but, um, have sewing machines now anymore, I wonder? I don't think so. Do you know, when I see a needle, I'd run. <laughs> Because I do, I don't like so. <laughs> you never took it off. I remember long ago. Now I'll be seventy nine in two weeks' time, right? <laughs> and I remember long ago when my husband. Do you know at that time these darn stockings. Chalk it down, yeah. And he'd be there and we'd go and buy stockings, and he'd say to me, "Marie, my stockings are disappearing. There's only a small hole in it. I throw them out." <laughs> Rather than, rather than Remember people used to put patches on the elbows of jumpers and jackets and stuff. That's right. That's right. You know, they were, you know, they were great days. They were really great days. The singer sewing machine. Singer sewing machines were great. And also Singer's Corner was great because many people met, particularly on first dates at Singer's Corner. Did you ever hear that? Right. I did. And I met my husband, Gobby Mercedes-Wood, on Bonfire Night. <laughs> I did, and uh, we were sitting in a window, myself and a friend of mine, and uh, they passed and they asked us, you know, would we like a lollipop? They wouldn't ask, you know, would you like a lollipop? <laughs> no, and if they did, you wouldn't take it. <laughs> and that's how I met them. Oh, my you know? God. So, um, you know, we had very, very happy memories. But before I go, Neil, would you do me one favour? Sure, shoot. Um, you know, last Christmas, 
just after Christmas, I think we were on there for about a week, going back on the year. Yes. Can you remember? Yes. Will you be doing anything like that this year? Um, I'm sure that there's something in the offing. Uh, do you, do you, because do you, it's lovely. You know, it can be alone sometime when you're on your own. Are you referring to all of the COVID reviews and and that was the year that oh, was? And, that was happening during the year. The yeah, happy things. yeah, yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know, well, we want a bit of happiness. So if we could isolate mm-hmm. the more positive stuff... That certainly would be something. But listen, we'll take listen. Take it as done. We we clearly will be reviewing the years, not as if we haven't got enough audio to be doing it. So we'll, we'll plan on yeah. something in that regard. All right, maybe to listen to it. It could. Know? I imagine it might be Christmas Eve, though. You know, might be Christmas oh, Eve. It could oh, be. Yeah, yeah. So after Christmas, you know, you're going to be kind of low after the Christmas. All right. All the excitement, okay. you know, but something anyway. All right, girl. Okay. So well, and you too. And thanks for sharing okay. great stories. Okay. Thanks, Marie. All okay. the best. Bye Take bye. care. Text 0868104106, If you're confused by the local property tax and the different bans, their website shutting down at Revenue, they're having problems answering phones, such as the amount of people asking questions and querying and confused. If you're amongst them, I might be able to shed some light on it after the break. Hold on. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And if you have a question or a query on the local property tax ban changes, text 0868 I'm joined by Joanna Murphy of uh, Joanna Murphy & Sons Auctioneers, Estate Agents and Valuers. And she's been inundated with calls herself. Joanna, good morning. Morning, Neil. Why, is there, why is there confusion? Um, okay, well, I suppose I spent last week quite frustrating. I feel that the web, the website needs is room for improvement, for starters. I do feel that we have an ageing, growing population, and I just feel that the elderly or people who are not computer savvy are finding it really difficult to register for the local property tax. Mm. I'd say I spent most of last week popping up to people who are, you know, anyone in their 70s or over, and quite frustrating, and I have to bring my laptop up. I've got to, because they don't have a laptop. They don't have an iPhone. Some of them don't even have um, an email. Yeah. And I will have to, I pop up and I do it for them, basically. How did they do it so, in years gone by? Did they just get a bill and just pay yeah, it? Yeah, like you, you basically have a form. You fill it out and you send it in, yeah. right? And I just, like, and that should be the case now, especially for the people who are not computer savvy. And that's why their their phone lines are going down at Revenue. People are Absolutely. all ringing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, obviously everybody is ringing. And the other thing too which I feel there's room for improvement is that just for example a property house that a house that I know the value the correct value would be let's say 600 grand so they went into the valuation tool in the revenue and it came up that they were in 350 band uh, 350 grand band so that's incorrect do you know what I mean so do they go away and do they register for 350 and then when you go into the LPT for 2022 it'll tell you what you should pay shouldn't it it do, yeah, but what I'm saying so that's what you that, pay, right? Well, this is it. You see, so does that person go away and value their house at three fifty, or do they go away and value it at what it really is, which is probably six hundred? So and how do they know the value of their house? How can they put well, a price see, on it? Yeah. Okay. So you and this is, I suppose, the other level of confu- well, not confusion, but I just don't think it's right. So there's three levels. There's three ways to value your house. Number one, you can go to the valuation tool on the Revenue website. Number one, you can go to the property register, which is really six to eight months. You know, it can be out of date or three months out of date. And the market, as you know, is changing and evolving all the time. Then you can employ someone like myself um, to go up and value your house, which is kind of unfair because then there's a cost involved, right? And obviously, I'm not going to go up for free. So, you know, you have to charge for that. 
and then you can look at the newspaper and see what the house next door sold for. But if the house next door didn't sell and no house in the estate has sold for half a dozen years or more, how can you put a value on it? And you could put a value on it that might not be achieved at at sale. Exactly. So, and you see, I suppose that's where it's just a a huge amount of level of confusion and frustration. And even, for example, like my mother isn't that old, right? And she's completely computer savvy. And yet I had to do it for her. She found it so frustrating. Well, the reference you made there to that house that was worth, did you say 600,000, is it? Yeah, so let's say it's worth 600, but on the valuation tool, it came up at 350. But you're saying that if, if it is worth 600, they should pay 675. Is that what people then should do in, 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 I, well, I think so, because I'm worried that, you know, you hear so much controversy. And look, at the end of the day, I'm not, I don't work for the revenue. I'm not there. I don't know. But I would, I would be saying to people, you put the correct market value of your house. Because this valuation is going to do for four years. And, you know, it may come down the tracks one day that they're going to want to know. You know, I don't know. You might have to prove that. I don't know. But... I suppose don't be undervaluing your house is really what I'm saying. Okay, so this actually this exercise actually the revenue want people to value their own house, regardless really of what th- they put down in the bill. Value it yourself. I think you've got to take a bit of ownership over it, you know. And okay, just- and if people don't do that and they say have got it wrong, will the revenue come back to them or? Do, should, no they them, should they correct them? Should they correct themselves? Yeah, you, you. Well, I think that you have to. I think that you have to. You should take ownership over it and, you know, be pragmatic and say, right, my house is worth this. Now, obviously not over worth it because we mean if, someone, if a house goes tomorrow, let's say if you have a house, three bedroom semi, I could say, right, that three bedroom semi I know is worth 350 to, sorry, 250 to 260 grand. But if that went to market, it could very well get 280 because of a bidding war. So I'd be saying put on a realistic market value. And I do think you have to take ownership over that. What's going to happen in the event that it's undervalued? I don't know. Why Why wasn't this done for people? Surely the tools would be available to government or some agency within government to value properties. They may just need to update their records, you know, and look, I mean, they've pushed out the closing date till this Wednesday. Um, and maybe they're updating it as we speak. I don't know, but I suppose it's just, it's unfortunate. It's a bit of a, I suppose it's going to be a learning curve here. And my main concern and the one thing that really has, I suppose, what, that I'm very aware of is that of the elderly. It's a tricky, think, it's a tricky website, the LPT. It, 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 well, I, I suppose I'm computer savvy. I found it okay, but the average person is finding it quite difficult. Yes. And then they can't get through to the LPT. But what I am saying to you is that we have a growing aging population. And you can imagine a person living who's 88 years of age and receives the letters from revenue, oh my God, like what did they do? Somebody Where bought a new start? house apparently, I was told you. I see a text on it here. They've no PIN. Yeah. They got no letter. They can't pay online. They can't do anything. They tried to contact through mygov.ie. No joy. No one's answering the phone. They can't get through. So a lot of people with new homes or recently bought homes, uh, this would be their first year. Um, and, so, and I, well, so what I would suggest there is that I would... Um, Assess the property yourself on the bands that you think. Stick a letter into the, into the LPT section, quoting your PPS number, the name of your property and your own personal details. And, that, and at least then you have a record that you have paid your LPT. Okay, okay. And I would do that if it was me. And nobody, nobody is actually querying as to why all of a sudden, in the times that we're living in, people's local property taxes have doubled or quadrupled. Is anybody complaining about that? About, you know, about how unfair no, it is? No, because, because the bans, if you look at the bans now, like previous to this year, you had zero to 100,000, which is 90 euros. Now you have zero to 200,000, which is 90 euros. 
So in actual fact, a lot of the, ba- the bans have actually increased and the amount that you're paying has either stayed the same or decreased. So it's the so people whose house properties have skyrocketed over the years. Yes, they're, are affected. Really. They're the ones that are going to be hit for a grand and more. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, the property, I, I suppose it's just the bans on the price aren't too exorbitant, I have to say. Okay. But it's just the level of confusion out well, there. Well, there's would suggest we pay enough, people pay enough tax already without ever yeah, having to I pay Yeah, I know, this. I agree, I agree. And I mean, like you have to then have it in by a certain date. If you don't have it in by a certain date, you're penalised. But there's, there's ways of doing that. You do a once-off payment, you can do a direct debit payment. But I suppose the, the main problem here I would see is that people are finding it very hard to value their property and also the elderly okay. are finding it very and hard. And what advice are you it. giving to the elderly finally? Um, I suppose pick up the phone to a friendly auctioneer like me yeah, yeah, <laughs> and see yeah. what you can do. But yeah. you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. Okay. But there's room for improvement on the LPT website for sure. Okay. Thank you, Joanna. Take care of yourself. Joanna Murphy, auctioneer, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text me on 086, uh, get in touch with us on any topic, but particularly this, 086 and we'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. You know, I'm glad that the weather is picking up and I'm glad that it'll be dry today and I'm glad that we'll get bright spells and a bit of sunshine because a good friend of mine and a colleague for many, many years um, will have his funeral mass today and I'm talking about Colm O'Connell who also used uh, the Irish version of his name because he was a wonderful Irish himself and his mother and his family, Colm O'Connell and he deserves the sunshine and he deserves, um, you know, dry bright spells today because that was the character of the man and my thoughts are with uh, Peggy and Wesley, Peggy his his wife, Peg, and Wesley, his lovely, lovely son. I met with him yesterday at their beautiful, beautiful home. And it was so sad because he was so young. He was only 58 years old and he passed away the back end of last week. And for those within radio or indeed many businesses in Cork will have, will have known Colin because he started way back in the day in the early 80s. I worked with him uh, with one of the super pirates, CRI, on Side way, way back in the early 80s, and he was a super sales rep. Um, mind you, even though his background was sales, he went on to management and, and did wonderful things in that regard, uh, he had an incredible love of radio. He really and truly ate, slept, breathed uh, radio. He loved it, and it was a terrific thing for us then as broadcasters because when he was boss for many, many years of the likes of, say, County Sound and 96 and 103 and places that I worked with him, he always got it, like he got it from our side, you know, from the broadcaster side. He could see it through our eyes as well. And, and that was a great, great accolade and a great um, ability of his. The pirates grounded him, really, and grounded many of us back in the day. And, uh, boy, he, he worked very, very hard. And, uh, you know, he still had the best of his life to live. And, of course, we'll be saddened by his passing, but none more so than Peg and Wesley and his extended family. He was a real innovator and he was a... Uh, he was a challenger and he was a changer and he was a man who drove on the industry and wasn't afraid to take a risk or take a punt or invest in something or spend money or indeed invest in people too. The likes of myself and others like us. And he was very generous and very funny guy. He had a great sense of humor and loved Cork and loved Cork wit. He loved, he'd light up a room actually by having the crack or winding people up. And he was actually uh, one of the men who drove Mulcahy on, actually, year in, year out, to produce wonderful, wonderful wind-ups. He was just one of those people who would see the more positive in you. And, you know, if you could say a kind thing or a positive thing, it's always better than a negative or a knock. And he would never do that. I mean, he might challenge or he, he might drive things on, but 
unbelievably positive and a great smile. And, um, you know, his, his roots were in the north side of, of Cork City, but they spread very far to Mitchellstown and around to Sri Lan and, and Ovens and Farron now and indeed all over the city. And it was very, very sad because he had so much to live for. And I was just absolutely heartbroken last week. It really hit me in the gut. It was like somebody kicked me into the stomach when I heard that Colm O'Connell had died the back end of last week. And my thoughts again are with Peg and Wesley and to uh, his extended family. Um, so it may come as a shock to some people if you're hearing for the first time, but very, very sad news. And we lost a good one there, all of us. Another great Cork man gone. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868-104-106. And interestingly, you know, you, you talk about the price of things, um, and it's amazing to, to reminisce as to the cost of weddings back, whether it was the 60s or indeed the 70s. But has anybody noticed that things are already starting to creep up in price? Is it, is it just me? I mean, at a, at a breakfast of the weekend that normally would have cost me nine ninety nine, all of a sudden now it's costing me eleven ninety nine, and I'm quite sure there are probably restaurants and cafes and bars and and the likes can can justify that. Uh, maybe it's just they don't have as many customers or there are more restrictions on. But you can expect more of that. And I saw at the, at the weekend then somebody posting, I think it was up on our Twitter, um, that they were asked for sixty euro in a bar for a bottle of prosecco, which usually would hover around 35 euro, wouldn't it, to be honest with you? Uh, and um, so then when they checked on the, on the price of a glass, they were told it was 12 euro for a glass of Prosecco. I mean, it's not even champagne. What is it, fizzy water with sugar in it? But they were saying that, by and large, that normally would have been about 750. So that's gone to, to 12. And has anybody noticed the price of petrol? Like, it's just going up. Is this some kind of conspiracy? to get us all not to drive petrol cars anymore? And is it a conspiracy to get us to all buy electric or hybrid or what's going on there? I mean, it's like it's 170 now and continuing to climb. Maybe maybe it's my imagination. But on that basis, how about some free money? A 250 euro voucher today, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And a 1,000 euro voucher on Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Michelle, the jeweller. 60 years in business in Cork and a family-run business. Check them out this Christmas time if you're buying a Christmas gift. So, for €250 a day, I want you to play Diamonds Are Forever. That will be your cue to call. We will take two finalists and you will go head to head. And if you could see me now, I have gigantic playing cards, but I only have the diamonds. The diamonds, right? From... Two all the way to the ace, or if, if you want to be finicky about it, from the ace all the way to the king. All right, we won't say any more about that. To me, anyway, the ace, sorry, the ace is the most important card. Others would disagree. So we will take two on the air. You will get to choose um, the highest card, or at least you'll pick a card, and whoever wins and gets the highest diamond card wins the 250 euro voucher. So it's fairly straightforward. Two finalists, but you've got to listen out for this cue to call. When you hear it, we will take callers 10 and 11. All right, callers 10 and 11. Diamonds are forever. Yes, indeed. They are. They are all I need to please me. All right, so we hear that again a little later on this morning. Pick up the phone, one 104 106 Two finalists, a 250-euro voucher every day until Thursday. And on Friday... A 1,000 euro voucher. Okay, from one diamond to another. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How another are you? wedding from the Metropole. Everyone. Yes. Was that the only place people got married or what? It was the 
place was then. Was the place, yeah, yeah. It was, of course, 1963, the 11th of June, 1963, we got married. Well, in fairness to you. And you have and all of the details of the big day, I do you? I have. I have the Hotel Metropole Cork. I suppose to the old phone number. And... Um, was my mother booked at that time, you know. Did she, she, did she, she choose the food? She did, I'd say. She did. Because mum walked in, in the um, Metropole at the time. Go away. Yeah, and a five-pound deposit needle at the time. You wouldn't give it to a child, no. But I suppose a fiver was, uh, you know, it was... Uh, I suppose it was a lot of money then. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of money then. And the full bill, including the drink, was... There was 43 guests. And the full bill at the time, Niall, was £51. £51. You know, I was telling the story there of the girl who was charged €12 for a glass of Prosecco. Herself and her pal had two drinks each at the weekend, and it cost them €48. Your entire wedding... Cost three, three cost cost three pounds more than their more than their four drinks. Yeah, that's fifty eight years ago now. Now we're together fifty eight years. Well, we're sixty years together. We're you must be years. in your eighties, Mary. Are you? Do you mind me asking? Yeah, I, I'm eighty four, and Finbar's eighty five. Go away. And you know, the last time I spoke to you, and I, I never, I never forget it. It's the greatest day of my life. <laughs> it was Valentine's Day. And you sent me, you sent me a bouquet. You, the lads came down with it to the house. And Thank God! I'm so delighted God, that that, that worked out. That was 19, I think. Go away. Uh, yeah. Was that was that a better day than your wedding day? The day I sent you oh flowers. Oh my God! The day I married my husband is the best day ever in so my life. So the day I sent you flowers was the second best day, was it? That was the second best day, I said. <laughs> That was the second best day. I, I was thrilled. I was like the queen. And you had forty three at the wedding. For, it, yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and, uh, and you had a, you had an incredible drinks bill. Even though neither yourself nor your husband drink. No, we never drank or smoked in our lives. <laughs> and we're we're sixty years together, <laughs> and uh, we're fifty eight years married since June gone. Go away! Isn't and thanks for God, we're both still together and. Love one another as much. I know. You just never took it up, is it? Never bothered? Never. It never... Listen to me, Niall. I told you before, I think. There was ten of us went around together. All our lives. I'd say over 60 years. And there was only one smoked. Smoke. And that's my best friend today, Teddy Keane. Well, that's and incredible that you'd have ten people in the 50s and 60s and only one of them smoked. When an awful lot of people smoked back then. No, not one of us. Not one of us smoked, only one. Were you sporty? Like, did you play hurling or yeah, golf oh, or football God, or tennis? Sure my husband is a lifelong member of St. Finbar's football club. Yeah, 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 I know. You I see, know, it, it, is, um, it was different then. So I why, know, why did you bother I, having drink at the wedding at all then? It saved you a fortune oh, if you had Nile, listen, like everything else, like the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> there was plenty at the wedding who could drink better than you or I. <laughs> they, they certainly were able to drink the sherry, the whiskey, the brandy and the stout. And do you recall the meal? I, I, I faint. The only thing I ever remember about the meal, Finbar's sister, would ne- isn't that she didn't eat meat, but um, it was always fish. And I always remember uh, when... Um, my mum was ordering it. The the chef in the Metropole started to laugh. He said, "We have one special dinner now: fish." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. And I couldn't tell even what kind of fish he had. Was it the main course fish? Yes, 
How did that go down? Horse you had for fish, but I, I'm, I'm. My husband was saying it to me while ago. Finbar was saying that um, I'm sure it was turkey and ham. Okay, so there was a choice at least. Oh, the, oh God, yes, always <laughs> a choice. And we went to the Isle of Man for our honeymoon. Because yours would have been a morning, <laughs> would have been a morning wedding. So they call them wedding we, we breakfast. We were married at, at nine o'clock in the morning night. Oh my God, talk about nine. an early start. Yes, and um, but everything was over then before six o'clock because we got the train to Dublin. At six o'clock. And no. off then by ferry to the Isle of Man, was it? Uh, no, we flew to the Isle of Man. Flew? Yes. Oh, you were you went a few bob back then, did you? <laughs> I'm telling you now, I was an only daughter. <laughs> and were both of you working back then? Oh, God, we were. And what, we did, were. I, what did you do? My, my, my husband was in um, the, the Lee footwear. Go away, yeah. In up in uh, Washington Street, yeah, 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 and I was in uh, I was in the hotels that time. Then what hotel did you work in? Um, I worked uh, no. When I was getting married, I worked in the Willow Pattern in Pembroke Street. It was a small little morning restaurant where you'd uh, serve coffee and tea and cakes. Way and before they'd be lunch time. at one o'clock, which was all the mail that time we used to come in. I know. Yeah, I never and heard of the Willow like Pattern. I never heard of it. Uh, the Willow Pattern. It was up over Main's Chemist at the time. All right, okay. So in that, Pembroke Street. That would have been Pembroke Street, uh, yeah. The clients that time were um, uh, John O'Mara, the solicitor. All the hoi polloi from the mall would be in for their lunch. Yes. Oh, well, they, they'd come in the, in the afternoon around five o'clock when they'd finish for their cup of coffee mm-hmm. because we closed at six. Yeah. And... Um, was all like just the solicitors now, and actually, Judge um, one of them now was um, Judge Murphy. All Lord right, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had all those times, and um, I'd say there'd be very interesting conversations at those tables oh if you could God. eavesdrop it. They, they were go- they were absolutely they talk about gentlemen, no, but they were gentlemen, you I know? know, I know, and I know. they had great respect for you, yeah. You know, and they'd say to you, know, I know you want to go home because they'd get into conversation, like I suppose about their, what they were doing for the day. And you'd, you'd have to go and say, would you, gents, would you ever move, like? <laughs> but you, you had to be very, oh, you had to be very polite that time. I know, There was I know. no back chat out of you that I time. I know, I know. And then you had a long, happy life together and you're still, oh, oh, and you're still we, firing we still on. Have. Yeah, we absolutely. still have. Yeah. Did you have kids? You know, great. Did you have kids? I did. I had a son and a daughter. Lovely. I have a son and a daughter. I have a son, Barry, and a daughter, Sandra. And they're lovely. And do you still have that receipt? I do. And it's as new today as the day I got it. Because there's no way I could put my hands on a receipt like that. It's amazing what yes. people keep. And, um, and, I, think and I, have a, I think I have the menu all right, wrapped up in a bow and somewhere. do you know who one of my clients was in the, in the, <laughs> in, in the evenings? Tony O'Reilly. Go away. Yeah. yeah. And his wife that time. Oh, my God, they were a handsome couple. I'd say, I, all I'd style, say, I'd say. Oh, my God, when I'd say... And you know, Niall, he never drank anything. He'd come in and he'd order coffee for the, the wife then. And um, she was, oh, gee, because I was being awe them. That was long before he was eating baked beans on toast, of course. Oh, yeah. for God's sake. But he's, he's, he's always drank milk. Nothing He'd ask like me it. for a glass of milk. Nothing like it. Wasn't the style incredible back then, though? 
Oh, my God. I, I don't mind telling you, I was pretty stylish myself. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Just if you look at the old black and whites, even even if you pick up the holly bow any year, you see the style. Yeah. I mean, were people always dressed that stylish? Or Like, you see the photographs on Patrick Street from the 40s and 50s, and it's like something out of a Hollywood movie star. Like the Hollywood movie star. Did people dress up just to go into town? Or did they always look like Everybody that? Everybody dressed up. Nobody went, as I saw always say, nobody went out shabby. Yeah, yeah. Everybody dressed up. If you were, Lord have mercy on my own father. If he was only going down for the newspaper and he was after coming in from work, my God, he'd have people on his collar and tie to go down around the corner know, for the echo. I know. And have you seen the old video footage of people coming out of the Lee boot where your husband worked? Yes. Have you seen that online? Like hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of people of them. piling yeah. out at quitting time. Yes, and, and they were all... all Oh, my husband always went to work with a shirt and tie. Always dapper, and they all had hats on them and everything. It was they amazing, this father, style. Oh, my father had magnificent hats. <laughs> oh, God, he was a lovely man. <laughs> he died young, and he died of 58. Oh, dear me. He was another big person in my life. I know, I know. Well, listen, it's lovely to reminisce about so much, including the wedding. And I'm yeah. sure you had a great time in the and, Isle of Man. And, and, and Nile. We got through, but I'm, I'm looking at it here now as I'm talking to you. I'm actually sitting on the stairs talking to you. Um, two bottles of champagne, four pound. <laughs> and you never had a sup of it? Never. You didn't miss much, actually. Very overrated champagne. Yeah, but like, we, we, we drink wasn't on our minds. No, like. yeah. you left the others quaff it away instead and they had a good yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, we went dancing, like we went to the Arcadia now, but you went to, at eight, like you were down there at seven, even though they didn't open on the leaves. And, um, but you must have gone to Crosshaven or Mallow or Fromoy and places like that as well. Oh, yes. Down and, to Red Barn and, uh, and things. We went to Red Barn, down to Yall in Red Barn. Yeah. And yeah. we'd walk the whole beach. That was our romance. <laughs> fair play to you. Fair play to you. And you never woke up the next morning with a headache or a hangover. What a no, wonderful thing. No. What and, a wonderful and thing. You were never late for work. And you know the way they're staying out of work now for the least thing? Um, David sneeze and they're staying out of work. We walked. My husband was never late for the day in his walking career for work. Never missed a day nor an hour. No. Incredible. Isn't it? No. And and I never did either. Uh, fair place, yeah. Fair place. Because yeah. you you just you just got up and got on with it, and your mother cured you. <laughs> or she kicked you out the door. <laughs> I mean, you just if you came in with a sickness or anything, you'll be grand that's tomorrow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you'll be grand. It won't kill you. What won't kill no, you will cure no, you. No, and they cured us all. There was no doubt. Do you know when I can't remember going to a doctor as a child at all. <laughs> Because your mother just put you into bed and put a, 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 a juice, they call it before. A hot water bottle? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're so grand over our electric blanket. <laughs> well, whatever keeps you cosy and warm of a winter's it's night. Exactly. Mary. Oh, my husband for that, Nile. <laughs> I'll go away and look after yourself in regards to you both, all right? And thanks very much Stay for in touch. the call. Bye. Lovely to talk. Bye. Bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM.
FM. I'll come back to the LPT texts a little later, but there's an interesting one here on Price Has Gone Mad. Just back from Dromolan Castle, we paid €235 Euro for dinner for the two of us. I had to get the defibrillator after my heart attack. <laughs> you are talking about a five-star castle. What do you expect to pay? I mean, were there any drinky poos? It worked out at €117 Euro a head. Were there five courses? Six courses? Maybe seven? couple of glasses of wine maybe a couple of drinky poos in there as well um, I suppose it adds up you know but that's the kind of price you'll pay I suppose at a five star castle hope you enjoyed it in spite of having to get the defibrillator for the bill so we'll come back to those texts text 0868 um, listen can I just reference something I saw an amazing uh, two fantastic reports very alarming and quite worrying reports from Paul Byrne he was doing them for Virgin Media News as part of their news service and he was talking with farmers and members of the farming community and you know we're talking about the last 20 months or you know nearly two years now to be honest almost uh, of isolation for many people if you live in a city in a suburb it's bad but if you live in rural Ireland they must have been absolutely hammered and we heard of you know there's all sorts of problems now with um, you know hospital delays and appointments being cancelled for surgery and uh, uh, consulting appointments and children's stuff and you know, there's been a, a massive um, impact on mental health in this country. But with regards to rural Ireland, it was an incredible report. One of them said that, one part of the report said that there were 38 farm suicides in the last 10 months. And these are the ones that we know of, 38. And another part of the report said that um, a farmer working on his or indeed her farm a farmer could go weeks on end without ever meeting anybody. And one of the reports actually said, one chap said, a farmer could be a month without ever meeting anybody. And bear in mind that the marts closed for long periods of time. The pubs were closed. GAA was gone. Um, mass was gone. So I suppose the social interaction for those in farming or in rural Ireland, isolated, particularly if they're alone, was all taken away from them. And just with that in mind, I wanted to chat with uh, Peter Hines himself, a farmer. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I thought that was I thought that was incredible. It was very powerful. I mean, that that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, and we're very grateful to to Paul Byrne and to Virgin Media News for highlighting the issue, and also to yourself this morning. And uh, you know, I think farming and the farming community has always uh, been challenged, and mental health, you know, no matter where you look around the world, uh, is a huge issue in the agricultural community due to the isolation. And uh, you know, I guess uh, you know, from time to time, a huge amount of challenges that uh, do face farmers. Why would why would there have been so many farm suicides? Is that to do with isolation, depression, um, being completely cut off from friends or living alone think, uh, and just not being able to deal with it? I think a lot of it is due to uh, stems back to isolation, but also uh, family issues and uh, and likewise financial issues. And uh, I know in this country uh, we have uh, a huge ingrained love of the land, but uh, you know, farm succession and the next generation coming on. You know, very often uh, there is the succession plan where maybe you know the, the younger generation knows uh, their place in the business and. Um, or has, uh, I guess, ultimately got the security, even though they're working on the farm full-time, uh, and that can lead to a lot of family issues. Uh, but likewise, when you look at financial, uh, you know, right across the world, you know, we, we supply into global markets, and when you have situations... Yeah. 
in, in global markets. It's, uh, it can have a huge financial impact on farms and, uh, and increases stress levels, which in turn, you know, alongside the isolation, uh, leads to increased suicide rates. And uh, yes, I've, I've seen the figures for the last 10 months here. And uh, I know personally, if you look at uh, the figures in Wales, there's a, a 50% increase in the, the suicide rate in uh, rural Wales in the last 12 months. But this is um, just so 38 farm suicides in Cork, people. So if you were to multiply that by the 32 counties on the island, think about what it would be. Yeah, and it's it's, it's uh, look, I, I can't. I haven't seen the the coroner's uh, report on that. So you know, figures are. How would you say? Um, you know, it, it depends on what way the coroner rules a death as to what is if it's registered as a suicide or. A, a, uh, a death through, you know, from a, a different point of view, but uh, yeah, certainly it is. It is a huge issue, you know. It's and it's it's why myself and Paula have uh, done so much around mental health in the farming community in the last number of years. Because uh, you know, when you look at the statistics globally, it's the same in every country, uh, and it's an issue that we need to. Speak about a, a hell of a lot more and ultimately you know if we as a community uh, aren't willing to speak openly openly about suicide it makes it very hard for someone who's contemplating suicide to say that they're feeling that way and are you peak are you, are you actually speaking from personal experience uh yeah so i struggled myself previously uh, with depression 20 years ago and it's, uh, I guess it's something, you know, it was, it was a huge challenge at the time. Um, I had a very dark place in my life and I was very lucky in, in, in a way that, uh, my wife, you know, needed, no, knew I needed help and, uh, I went down to my GP with her eventually and, uh, he put me in touch with a very, very good counsellor and I think, you know, one of the, probably the most daunting questions I was ever asked was, uh, are you contemplating ending your own life? And it's a very hard question to answer. So, you know, thankfully I wasn't and uh, I'm still here, but uh, in some way I can resonate with uh, someone who is contemplating that because, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, personally, I just think we need to, we need to reach out uh, uh, so much more to, to people who are isolated. Are they elderly farmers we're talking about? Um, yes and no is the honest answer uh, elderly farmers but likewise uh, it affects young farmers uh, just as much and the reality is you know if you're not looking after your mental well-being on a daily basis there's a 50% ch- chance you will struggle with your mental health in your farming career because uh, you know we do face challenges and I think if you look you know don't, uh, I think maybe we should say the agricultural community as opposed to the farming community because likewise vets are, vets are equally challenged and especially large animal vets, you know, due to burnout and huge workloads. And uh, oh, I see. So there's it's, it's more than isolation, and it's also more than just wondering who'll take the farm after me. And it's more than I just can't make the farm work anymore. It's just the sheer workload and all of that as well. Yeah, it's a, a combination all of things of and a combination of things in many, many countries. And, uh, you know, you've, you've disease outbreaks on farm. I mean, it, uh, TB, tuberculosis is a huge issue that affects farming communities in this country. But, uh, 
Likewise, if you look back to when the foot and mouth outbreak uh, happened in the UK, and luckily we were we weren't uh, greatly affected by it here back in 2001. But in the UK, the, the increase in the suicide rate in the farming community was tenfold that year. Like so, that's that's over uh, well over a thousand farmers lost their lives that year. Just you know, I suppose the heartbreak of seeing their livestock having to be slaughtered because it's personal uh, to them, isn't it? It's it's it, probably one of the most personal careers you could ever take it is I think look there's, a, there's probably a, a conception out there that farmers are extremely wealthy <laughs> unfortunately uh, you know it's for the amount of hours that farmers put in it's uh, financially it's not the most rewarding job in the world but ultimately we, did, we do it because just the love of the land and the, the love of working with livestock and caring for them and, and likewise when you see vets too I mean you know it impacts them the same way too that their job is to make livestock uh, uh, healthy yeah. and, and get better, and when, when you know when things go, don't go right, it has them an impact on them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it is it true that a farmer might go weeks on end without ever meeting anybody? Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, so somebody living alone would have no contact with any a farmer on his own without a family, see nobody. Yeah, and I, sp- I guess, look, maybe dairy farmers are in a slightly bit of better position because the milk lorry is calling every few days and the feed lorry is calling every couple of weeks. But, you know, for beef farmers and, and sheep farmers and, 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 you know, if you go right down into the heart of West Cork or up the west coast of Ireland and, uh, you know, real isolated parts of Ireland, yeah, I could well, well imagine that a farmer mightn't see anyone for for weeks upon weeks. I'm I'm lucky that uh, my, my family, my wife is farming full-time, so I have someone with me and, I know, uh, but you could understand why they'd have dark times then, not seeing... And, like, the march was important, wasn't it? And the pub and, you know, meeting somebody for a drink or a chat with other farmers or going to a local GA match or even going to a Saturday or a Sunday mass. And for a long time, that was gone, wasn't it? Yeah, like, all those things were the so- social outlets. And even, you know, the local co-op branch, I guess, you know, a lot more of the business that we do on farms now is done online or over the phone, etc. where, you know, if you go back a couple of years ago, it was the... Uh, the you'd go to the co-op once a week. You mightn't need much for the farm, but it was about catching up with a few yeah. neighbours and, yeah. and having a chat and just getting out. And when all those little outlets are uh, are um, taken away, and look, I know, I, I understand they had to be for the, with COVID and the pandemic, etc. but uh, it, it increases the level of isolation. And, uh, you know, I think one of the key things we need to do as an industry is get a lot more people that are visiting farms trained up in mental health first aid so as they know the signs to spot uh, when they, when a farmer is struggling. And do you farm. know those signs? You're a trained suicide prevention officer. Do you call to farmers? Uh, I speak to a huge amount of farmers. Uh, do I call to farmers? No. Uh, look, I speak to a huge amount of farmers around the country on via phone and actually, you know, it, it was interesting enough um, a week after myself and Paul got certified in suicide response training. Uh, I spoke to a young woman in the UK who was uh, who was who was working in farming, and through a course of maybe three days, uh, you know, I think the, the the training kicked in very quickly, and I was able to spot tell time 
telltale signs of where she was really, really struggling and needed urgent support. Uh, and thankfully, I got in touch with a crisis support service in Yorkshire uh, and got a personal contact and a name for someone. And after a further two days, you know, she eventually picked up the phone and rang. And uh, they were working very closely with her. But uh, that was a that was a horrific situation that poor woman had to deal with, and uh, you know, a lot a lot of issues. But uh, it also highlighted to me, you know, that we have the support services there, but it's the fear of contacting them and not knowing yeah. what to say. Yeah. You know? And I think I'm that's one of the important yeah. things that I've learned with the Samaritans like you know if you are in crisis and you're doing the Samaritans you know they will literally sit there in silence on the end of the phone until you're ready ready and willing to open up and they're so compassionate and so good at, and so highly educated about how they deal uh, with people who are, who are struggling And is that what you're encouraging people to do? Call the Samaritans. They will listen. Yeah, I think, look, it's, uh, and, and the number is 116123. If anybody is uh, struggling today uh, who is listening to this, you know, we would strongly urge you to pick up the phone and ring them because there's always someone listening, willing to listen and willing to help. And there is so much help and support out there. But, but likewise, I think, you know, it, it needs a combined uh, effort from the farming community and from the agricultural community that we do have a lot more people trained up in mental health first aid that we do make it okay to to uh, openly discuss mental health and suicide and there is no shame in, in struggling you know there's so many of us around the country that have have struggled or are struggling and there's no shame in it so it's about prioritising yourself and getting yourself back to a better place and I think, you know, even with young farmers, you know, we need to connect with them more and, and say to them, look, yes, farming is a phenomenal job and we love it. But yeah. Make no mistake, you know, you will be challenged yeah. at times in your career. And if you do the simple things, looking after your mental well-being on a daily basis. It the days are long, day. yeah, early starts, late nights, shorter days, darkness a lot more. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy to be out and about. But more, more to suicide than farming accidents. That's very alarming. Yeah, it's, uh, and it was one of the things that struck myself and Paul in 2020 is that, uh, you know, the reality is uh, we lose more farmers to suicide than we do to farm accidents. Yet there's a huge public awareness campaign and a specific week for uh, farm safety in Ireland and in the UK. Uh, so we started up Ag Mental Health Week, which is a global yeah. awareness campaign around mental health and agriculture. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that has gone from last year to this year, but uh, we need to cause a hell of a lot more. But likewise, you know, we spoke to to uh, two ministers for agriculture this year during the week. We interviewed them live on Facebook, and uh, we, we've interviewed people from all over the world live on, on Facebook, um, and, and including Thomas McCarthy down in Ballandee, who lost his father in 2020. So, you know, I think there's a huge amount of support out there. We need to create more awareness ar- around it, and we need to op- open up the discussion more. That's why I wanted to have a chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time, Peter. Look after yourself. And remember, the Samaritan's number is 116123. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. Can I give one thing, a quick plug there, Neil, before you go? Uh, So myself and my wife have raised uh, a basket of money for charity for different charities around the country in the last few years. This year, we really wanted to do something to support Cork. uh, and And we chose Marymount Hospice as our chosen charity. 
Uh, we are running a black tie ball in the River Lee Hotel on the 19th of November. Uh, we have a phenomenal night planned uh, and we know it will raise uh, a decent amount of money for uh, Mary Mount. If anyone, we have a few tickets left. If anyone is uh, interested in going and supporting Mary Mount Hospice, uh, feel free to give out my number, Neil, or likewise people can find me at, uh, at Peter Hines 15 on Twitter. Uh, we have phenomenal goodie bags, raffle prizes, so many co- co- companies around Cork well and done. around Ireland have got behind this uh, and we are also auctioning um, an Irish rugby jersey signed by the entire squad on the night, which is a very rare item. I love talking uh, to someone who's raised vast amounts of money for charity down through the years. Well done on that and I think a lot of people would be very keen to get on their best gear black tie or whatever the case may be uh, just to get out so the 19th of November at the Riverley Hotel can I give out your 087 number yeah you can give out my 087 number and uh, likewise we have a few tickets left if any company wants to jump on board with us for our our goodie bags or raffle prize uh, much appreciated because uh, we've been we've been over uh, we've been humbled by the support of Cork uh, and uh, look, we we think this is going to raise somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand euros well well for Mary Mount this year. So well we're uh, delighted. With it. All right, Peter, appreciate you taking the call. Have a good one and uh, a successful night on the nineteenth. Take care. Oh eight seven zero six seven. Sorry, I'll give out the number correctly. Oh uh, eight seven zero six double four six seven eight. That's the number for the River League gig, the River League night for Mary Mount on the nineteenth. Oh eight seven. Zero six double four six seven eight, and remember the Samaritans are on one one six one two three. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one oh six. Red FM. Great text coming in. I'll come back to him in a few minutes' time. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I thought that was an alarming stat that we have more uh, deaths on Irish farms to suicide than we have on Irish farms to farm accidents. So I just want to go up to Mitchellstown, if you don't mind, to Carmel. Carmel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I know you're part of a group that's put together something like 15 volunteers now who are trained. I think you're waiting on guard of vetting to help people who are struggling in rural Ireland. Isn't that the case? That's right, Neil, yeah. And God knows you must have been very, very shook like the rest of us were in your part of the world with the, sto- the very sad news that came out of uh, Kenturk last year, of course, the O'Sullivan family, the death of three members of the family, that was absolutely shocking. And that was a dispute over the farm and over land and everything. So our thoughts are with the family and those that knew those. Um, but what, what, kind of, what kind of stories are you dealing with? Um, well, I think there's, there's no household in any locality that hasn't been affected by mental health issues with the last couple of years, Neil. So we'd be getting we'd be getting a lot of stories, you know, from people that are distressed and lonely and isolated. Uh, a lot of family issues and financial issues. Yeah, I know, I know. And all of that, if they're living alone, of course, makes the problem an awful lot bigger, doesn't it, with nobody to talk to? Yeah, it makes it a lot worse, yeah, for people that are living alone or living in the countryside. But as I said, I don't think there's any home that hasn't been affected by mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. Would it would it be the case that a lot of them are uh, men and maybe a proportion of them are living alone and getting older and wondering who's going to take over or what will happen when I'm gone? Well, I think it, the age varies, Neil, and um, I suppose men find it harder to approach someone and tell them that they're not feeling okay mentally. I think it's easier for the female 
um, females to open up and say that I'm not okay. But we would be getting female and male people coming to us, you know, um, for help. How can you help? Is it just by listening? Yeah, we're going to be a peer support organisation um, and we're going to offer after-hour services on a Saturday night from 7pm to 11pm where people can call in to us or just ring the phone line and we'll be able to um, send them on for further help. Are those times very important because are those trigger times you're saying at the weekends, out of services hours, at night? Yes, exactly, um, exactly, Neil. Uh, like we, are, we, we are a sub-branch of the Limerick Haven Hub and the Limerick Haven Hub open on a Friday night and Saturday night, but we are going to start off just opening from 7 to 11 on a Saturday night to see how we go. And are you getting calls and are they getting a call, calls across the border? Oh God, the Limerick Haven Hub, uh, yeah, we are not actually opened up yet because we're waiting for Garda Vitting, but yeah. we hope to open the end of November. Phone rings, they answer it, and somebody on the other end is struggling and looking for help and willing to talk through their problem. Yes, exactly, and they can actually call into the hub in Limerick at the moment. Yeah, and that's making all the difference, I'm sure, to know that somebody's on the end of a phone who can who can relate to their problem, say, for instance, as farmers, is it? Yeah, well, not even the farming communities. Anybody it. isolated. Anybody, yeah. Anybody just isolated or lonely or having mental health issues, Neil. Yeah, it's 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 important that you get open ASAP then, isn't it? Yeah, we, we hope to be open the end of November or the start of December. Um, we're in the process of getting guards visit at the moment and the volunteers have already done the QPR and child safety courses and we are due to do the peer support course within the next week or two. I know I know that we're coming out of a lot of the problems, thank God, with COVID and all of the restrictions are gone and may they never come back, which means that at least people can move around a bit more and, you know, they can go for a pint with their pals or they can... Are the marts back and things like that? Pardon? Is, you know, I know I'm saying that the pubs are back and GA is back and the marts are back, so there's more opportunities now for people to get out and about in rural Ireland, isn't there? That helps. Oh, there is, yeah, but I think, I think we're only starting to see the problems that arose during COVID. I think there is an awful lot of people distressed and suffering from depression and anxiety. And would they have money, would they have money worries with the banks and what have you? I suppose financial issues, family breakups, uh, just general depression and anxiety, um, issues from general worries. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Listen, um, Get yourselves open and get helping people. When do you expect it to, 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 to open and start working? We hope to open the end of November, start of December. Um, Neil, we're, um, like we're a voluntary organisation without the help of Forest Hall who gave us a room to open up in. Yeah. And also the local Mitchellstown Credit Union gave us funding. And we're holding an open night on October the 17th in the Fairgrove Hotel Mitchellstown to let the public know about our service. And you know something, getting open this side of Christmas is very important as well because for many, or at least for some, it's not a happy time Christmas. So it's important that you're open for that, isn't it? Yeah, that is our, that is our ambition is to open um, late November uh, early December. All right. Okay. Well, listen, do feel free to come back and let us know the good news when you have a date and a time. All right, Carmel? 
I will, of course, Neil. Thank you so much. Cheers. All the best, Carmelo Gorman. One night fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up after eleven. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Interestingly, regarding farm suicides, I know what contributes a lot to farmers taking their own lives. They are infuriatingly angry and frustrated. Say, for instance, at their milk being sold in supermarkets at about two euro for three litres of their milk. And us idiots pay over two euro then for a bottle of bloody water. Imagine being a farmer and dealing with this knowledge. Milk is the result of farmers' hard work on their farms. They get a few insulting pennies for their blood, sweat and tears. Then we have allowed society to sleepwalk into the stupidity of allowing bottled water, which flows freely from the earth, to become a normal habit of wasting a few euro on one small bottle. Bloody bottle. We should be ashamed of ourselves. The amount of cash turning over every 24 hours on this planet due to the farce that is bottled water is hundreds of millions every 24 hours. People need to wake up. And that's a very passionate text on behalf of farmers and the price that they say, for instance, get for their milk. Bakers actually say the very same about the price of bread be quite honest with you. Uh, lines open on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868-104-106. Lots of emails and texts from Friday's program. Lovely response to my chat with Caroline Colbert um, on her behalf, on behalf of her husband, Jim Colbert. Um, many people saying, one, I can't cope. She's such a beautiful lady, telling uh, a true story of love and soulmates. Of course, uh, Jim has uh, Alzheimer's, lives with Alzheimer's now. Listening to Jimmy Colbert's wife was heartbreaking. I have the pleasure of knowing Jimmy my entire life and a gentleman, true and true. I wish them the best. And Joe and Teresa Payton got on to say that they had the pleasure of Jim's company down through the years and he's a gent. They used to play Sweet Caroline for him and he used to love to sing along. A great guy, as in Caroline, his wife's name. I was bawling listening to your conversation with Caroline. Suppose through sickness, health, rich or poorer, Caroline is the essence of all of those vows. What a beautiful story. She is by Jim's side always. What a love they must have. And one or two more. God bless that woman. My mum has it, but is still a very funny, happy woman in spite of Alzheimer's. Oh my God, what strength Caroline has. She is such an inspiration. I went through the journey of Alzheimer's with my mum and it is such a heartbreaking and difficult road. I don't know Caroline, but my goodness, how blessed Jim is to have such a wonderful woman in his life. She speaks with such courage, hope, strength and acceptance. And somehow all of those fabulous qualities are wrapped in a blanket of powerful love. God bless them both and may their beautiful love carry them through, says Barbara. And one final um, text and thank you for it. I was listening to Caroline about Alzheimer's. It brings it all back. I was a carer for my mother for six years and gave her 24-hour care at home. And unfortunately, she passed in July peacefully. She was non-verbal, but her eyes told a different story. And her smile was just so beautiful. If you don't laugh, you'd be crying all day. It's such a horrible disease, especially watching your loved one deteriorate every minute of every day. But I have to say, only for the Alzheimer's Society in Mallow, in the Mallow area, I would have been lost. Very, very true. It is, Neil, the long goodbye. 
I could never talk about it with you on air. I would just become too emotional. But thank you all the same for your beautiful text. I do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Talking about laughing and having a good time of it. I did mention on Friday that there would be a certain chap starting in Cork at half past eight on Saturday morning and doing a long motorcycle ride uh, from one end of the country to the other. And believe it or not, um, wasn't Greg Cunningham out driving, apparently? Um, but I think this might have... Were you, was this this morning, Greg? Uh, Neil, how are you, boy? Good, brother, good. Was this this morning? No, it was on Friday. Uh, I was on the way to... Uh, no, yesterday morning I was on the way to work. Yeah. And, uh, or my apologies, it was on Saturday morning. Now you see, that's why it makes sense to me, because I know that he started on Saturday morning at half past eight. And just describe the scene for me first. I was, I, I work here in Steel Tech Sheds in Photo Retail Park, I was on my way to work here, and uh, I, I got, I, I saw this apparition in front of me, and I said, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Because what, what, what it looked like was Buzz Lightyear was on a moped, yeah. flat out on the motorway, uh, yeah. and 40, 40 kilometres an hour, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he, he seemed to be a bit of a character, he was waving at cars and, and say, signalling to the trucks to blow the horn and whatever. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I came up behind it to check what it was, and sure enough, Buzz Lightyear on a red moped, flat out on the motorway, <laughs> having a bit of crack. Is it a moped or is it a Honda 50 or a Honda 90 or something? It was some small red yoke anyway, and it wasn't going terribly fast, that's all I can say. Thank you for the video, because he gave you a wave, didn't he? He, gi- he did give me a wave, he did. And you know, I, I sent the video, I sent the video on <laughs> the Palomine, and the Palomine came back to say he was probably on his way to infinity and beyond. Infinity and, and, and beyond! And, and I said, well, I said, I don't think so, because he turned off for Bally Feehan. <laughs> well, that is infinity so and beyond. Are, to he some. was infinity and beyond, is inside between Tok and Bally Feehan somewhere. Well, if you were coming down from the north side, Bally Feehan would be infinity and beyond. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. Do you know, do you, I mean... Let me think if I can remember what I was saying on Saturday, on Friday. He is travelling from Mizzen to Malin on that. Get away. That's, that's the whole idea. I don't have the paperwork now, but I, I said on Friday, if you see Buzz Lightyear on a Honda 50, um, you know, all dressed up, don't be alarmed. It's a charity run he's doing. <laughs> Get away! And what are the details of the charity run? I have, I'll have to dig it all out again. I had it on Friday. I can't remember. Like what what he was doing in Balafihan is beyond me because he should have been down in Mizzen, starting in Mizzen. Right. Unless he was heading that way, you know. Would you get to yeah, Mizzen via Balafihan? You probably would. <laughs> well, he was he was heading in the direction now of Cork. He might have been coming from Mizzen, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what he's doing anyway. I'll try and track down some more of the details. I mean. He'll be. I remember on Friday saying it'll be damn cold if he's only wearing if he's not wearing thermals under that. He'll feel the cold on that bike. It's a long journey. I suspect that the the costume was over a jacket or over over an outfit because he seemed to have room under it. Like he was to infinity beyond. To, to infinity and beyond, or Ballyfehan, whichever is closer. Just I'll try and drag. I'll try and drag out some more of the info that I had. Just before I let you go, when I was down in Port McGee, then yesterday I was chatting with a buddy of mine, and he was taking a fella out to the Skelligs on a rib. Right? You might be yes. you might be interested in this. And I was just chatting him with it. It's a guy called um, Henri O'Donnell. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I think he's from Mayo or Donegal or one of these places. And Henri is literally swimming around the entire <laughs> the entire coastline of the island of Ireland, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> he's doing. He's not doing it in one day or in one go. He's kind of doing it in bites. You know what I mean? Yesterday, yes. apparently, he did the entire Cork coastline. He swam the entire Cork coastline last week. Apparently. <laughs> oh, amazing job! Amazing job! And yesterday morning, he was swimming from the Skelligs all the way to the Blaskets. <laughs> Whoa! Would you love to have the energy, Neil? Would you love to have the energy? I know. It's crazy the things people do. Next time he comes back on land, I might try and chat with him because I'd say he'd have an interesting story to tell as well. Be great to ca- be great to track down Buzz Lightyear, wouldn't it? Well, listen, as I said, I'm working here with Steel Tech Sheds and they're, they're a great organisation to support charities, etc. Do me a favour and send down the details. And I'm sure my colleague John Brett would like to send him on a few bob to support whatever charity. Consider it done. I Google what he's doing so Buzz Lightyear and I get that information on air, all right? Neil, great job. Thank you very much. All right, my man. Take care, take care. I had the info on Friday. I filed it off. I'll dig it out again. Hold on there. Caroline, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Well, three or four different examples of the price of things gone up this morning. Did you want to add to that? Yeah, even compared to the 90s there, you know, I was even... Chatting to the taxi driver the other night, but I was skipping because he thought I was way younger. He said, you wouldn't remember the Lacey House at all. I said, I was around that time. <laughs> That's right. I gigged but, uh, in the Lacey House. It was a popular spot on Oliver Plunkett Street. Yeah, I, I said, I actually loved it. Like, so he must have thought I was a lot younger. But anyway, <laughs> um, the price of drink is outrageous because like, I remember paying £2 for an actually cocktail. That time when Delacey House was around. Did they even serve cocktails in Delacey House? I thought it was all pints and bottles of Ritz and cider and no, things. No, I mean, like around the pubs, do you know? Yeah, I suppose. But you are talking about the 80s though, aren't you? No, the 90s, the early 90s. The early the 90s? Okay, what were, you, what were you drinking? Tequila Sunrise for £2, is it? Yeah, and we loved them. We could actually drink cocktails on it. You couldn't do that now unless your marriage won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> What's the price? What's the price of a cocktail now? Well, it's twelve. I was in Killarney two weeks ago. I loved it down there. I know, but it was like twelve euro cocktail. But it's it's like that everywhere. But it's very expensive. Like everybody's talking about it. Twelve euro. But what's in the cocktail? Like, is there three or four different shots or something? Probably, I'd say. But like, then like I went in town in ages because you know the nightclubs were very busy, as you know, because they only opened. You know. Yeah. So I waited for it to die down and I came out and it was like three in the morning and a big fight in the Grand Parade again. Oh, when was that? Saturday night, that. Saturday night, big fight. But I heard prior to that it would have been the bank holiday Monday there was more just in the Grand Parade as well. I know. What are you going to do? What can you do? Like, this just seems to be the norm these days, doesn't it? But I said the cost of living, no, the electric and gas has gone outrageous as well. Everyone is talking about that as well. And the price of petrol, if you want to move around, it's one seventy yeah, a litre, and it's going to very. Believe me, in another, in another, I don't know. It could take a few weeks or a month or two, but it'll be two euro before you know it, and then gas, oil for the tank, all going up. You couldn't go in town every Saturday night. You could years ago because you couldn't. There'd be no pocket keep up to that. But you said that the, that in are you saying in Cork City the price of a pint could be seven euro now? Yeah, there could be, yeah, because I was out with a friend the other night and he goes, the pints are like seven euro. I go, yeah, everyone is talking about the price of drink, like. Just like for, like, they're not craft beers. Are you talking about Stout or Heineken or Carlsberg? Yeah, I drink Spud, but they have no Bud then. You're not getting the pint that you want. Don't you have Coors Light and what have you? And would Coors Light be seven euro a pint? Yeah. And when did it get up to, it used to be like 450, 470, 480 last year. 
Yeah, it's gone out where everything, hotels went up, everything. I wonder how they could, but I mean, I wonder what reasons they might give. Is it that they have limited amount of people in that, you know, they were closed for so long and they have social distancing yeah. and everybody has to sit so there are none of as many people in, you know what I mean? And you could have a ticket. No, where we went, it was fantastic. Like there was no trouble or anything like that. And the people were lovely. But it's when you come out into the streets, but thank God, luckily I got a taxi. Yeah, it's ha- it can be hostile, can't it? It can be hostile. You'd be afraid. Oh, because that's what makes me nervous about town. It's the problem is trying to get a cab, but I got one straight away. Thank okay. God. But well, were you were you clubbing on Saturday night? I was. Okay. I was. I was in pop scene. It's a fantastic place. <laughs> and is there dancing? Yeah. Yeah, All right. Was, yeah. Okay. Uh, and t- tell me about how was it inside? Was it everything good? People were behaving, keeping their distance. Oh yeah, it's extremely well behaved, and the security is good enough. You know, it's just when you come out into the streets, like I literally two seconds turned around the corner, the Grand Parade, murders a load of guards. Who needs that to end their evening? No, no, no. And as I said, you get nervous when you can't get a taxi. You know, it's like. Yeah, you'd be afraid to look at anybody, wouldn't you? Fear they might react to you, you know? Maybe, you know, it's over after calming down a little bit. Maybe it's easier, but I'd say, because I was in Clannie the first time everything opened, so I heard cock was mad, so I'd say, I bought flat shoes and all the bag in case I talk. Oh, for God's sake. All right, well, listen, you got home safe all the same. All right, I'd love to hear some more of that. 12 euro for a cocktail and 7 euro for a pint. Yeah, 6.57 is pushing that way anyway, yeah. All right, Caroline, thanks for the call. Back after the break, get involved. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Nice, yeah. 104 to 106 Red FM. He's coming in now, the text with the price of a pint and the price of a cocktail. Somebody there saying they would charge 15 euro for a cocktail. Would it depend on the cocktail? Wouldn't some cocktails have two or three different alcoholic shots in them and others then would have just the one? Maybe that's the difference. But if you had a few of those, I mean... Burn a right old hole in your pocket, wouldn't it? Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Regarding burning holes in your pockets, huge response to local property tax from earlier on this morning. Paddy O'Brien has said for many years that a lot of people, and it isn't necessarily elderly people, aren't online. They just aren't. Some people don't even have a phone, never mind a laptop, and many don't have broadband. And others then are in areas where the internet connection is shocking. So they are forced to pick up the helplines that um, you know get overcrowded or swamped, and calls don't get answered. That is the way an awful lot of people can only pay a bill is physically going into a place and paying it or picking up the phone and giving their number out over the phone. So when that's not being answered, of course, it's leading to all sorts of problems. Here's a selection of texts on local property tax from the conversation this morning. The government are working on the presumption that everyone has an internet connection. I don't have a satisfactory connection. And what about the elderly who just don't go online? Jar asked the question, what happens if you don't pay? Well, what could happen is that this year's local property tax will go on to next year's and the year after and eventually they'll come calling and you won't be able to do anything with property or buy it or sell it or do anything until it's cleared. So ultimately you run up a huge debt, I guess. But you can go to propertypriceregister.ie, put in your street and your county and press Cork, press preform search and all the sales on that street since 2011 will come up, says Paddy. And it's on that basis then that you value your own property. But how could you even do that if, um, you know, the house that you that you live in is by far superior with all sorts of work done and extensions added onto it and changes done to it. And the last one that was sold a few years ago was a wreck, for instance. Another one, you can value your property and navigate through the website. And when you want to pay by card, you may come up against all sorts of problems at that point. 
um, that's that's the problems with online, of course, and maybe even security when it comes to the, the bank and double and triple lock security. But what they're saying is that, um, you know, you will, let's say you do get online or if you're not online, you got a letter telling you what the bill is. You're supposed to apparently ignore that and value it yourself. Yeah, because if you just pay the amount that they ask for, say, for instance, if you have a property that's worth 350,000 euro, it says on your bill 315 euro is the local property charge. But that's clearly inaccurate. If you know that your house is now worth, say, for instance, 600,000, then instead of paying the 315, what people are supposed to do then is value with themselves and pay the 500. And eighty-five. So keep those texts coming. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. And I just want to uh, plow through another couple of texts and emails if I can. But I'm conscious also that people are waiting by phone. So let me just do. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stay with phone calls if you like. We had a good laugh last week with the interior of people's cars uh, and the health hazard that's in them. We got some great calls on it. Uh, people leaving their children's half munched food on the back seat. There was also um, issues with tissues and empty takeaway coffee cups and muddy wellies and dog treats and tomato ketchup sachets open from the visit of the McDonald's or old sandwich boxes are indeed dog hair so much so that apparently one in three car owners are so embarrassed by the state of their cars that they duck out or give excuses as to why they can't give a friend a lift they're mortified by the interior of their motor car or van or whatever it is they drive Bull why do they call you Bull long story is it because you're a farmer is it yes because I'm no small chicken Oh, you're a big farmer then. No, well, I'm uh, not a big, big farmer. I'm, I'm. Let's just say my belly is the big, is the big part of the farmer. <laughs> so when you're driving it, you have the car push, the car seat pushed back, do you? <laughs> well, I'm nearly sitting in the back seat. Um, well, I, 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 I was not shy about my car. Of what was in the back of my car, it was the boy's problem when I was taking him home. To get into the, back the, of the, the lads car. were saying they'd need a vaccine shot to get into your car, is it? Yes, I know. On a normal, normal Saturday night, they you have to put on the flashlight of the phone just <laughs> to see what they're going to sit on top of, <laughs> or like it could be between calf ration, dog nuts, chainsaws, hatchets, sledgehammers. <laughs> Basically, my car was a normal farm car. I'd be very oh, worried if a guard stopped you and you had wrenches, hatchets, and a chainsaw on the back seat, wouldn't you? They'd ask some interesting questions. Oh no, but if, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a guard or such. To be honest, if, if I had a flat tire, that's when trouble starts because I have to bring everything out the road. <laughs> Why do you have all of that stuff? I mean, do you well, need all of that to work? Well, I was uh, when well, I, it's it's my ex car now because I've I'm, I've got I was on to before about a mini, so I have a mini now and I mind that. That's right. See, but <laughs> what I had was a was a, a Skoda Octavia, and one Saturday night I was working at home on the farm, and I had a sick calf, and one of the boys got lost when he was drunk, which is a normal story of most of my buddies. <laughs> So I wasn't too sure how long would I be back. So and I had to give the calf an injection at a certain time. So I had to put the calf into the boot of the car and drove on to find my mate. 
Where'd you find them? Where'd you find them in a ditch somewhere or what? All, all I was told was I can see houses everywhere, <laughs> and that's and I had to run by that. So I had some fun finding him. He was probably worse wear than the calf, but at the, he got home eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that the calf was in the back seat, though. Are you telling me the oh, truth? Oh, the back. Well, I had the back. I, what I had was a, a, a Skoda estate. I had the back seat strapped down. <laughs> So it was like pushing, getting, you'll get home. That was my motto. That was my motto. Oh my God. They all got home, looked, all the boys got home safe and sound. No tetanus shot was needed. (laughs) Well, a couple of them got got a shot of Elbix. Could you not give them a a rub at Chinna Unction? Do you remember that? That was queer name, but great stuff. Was that the one with the Puccine or the non-Puccine pair? I don't know, I just remember the ad. Apparently back in the day, they used to use it on cattle and they were saying it was great. It cured every single human ailment. It was called Chenounction. Can you get it anymore? Uh, 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 I, I wish to defer from that question. <laughs> okay, no doubt somebody would tell. But anyway, I'm told that you eventually were forced to clean it up, or to clean it out, were you? Yes, I was forced. To, I was essentially forced to clean out because on a drunken night, one of the boys burst my calf ration bag, and nuts went everywhere. And then I had furry friends everywhere, and then wires were being cut everywhere. Oh no! I know they weren't. They were eating through your wiring. They were eating through my wiring. So basically, when I put on my indicator, my wipers were turned on. Kind of something like that, like. Rats, so, rats came. They were attracted by the calf nuts. They were, they were, they were. But look, this is, at least there were. There was no rappers. There was no. Well, there was a few rappers. I few chocolate rappers. Like, but there was no McDonald's because my cow wouldn't even make McDonald's. I don't mean anything else. Oh my God! Stay in touch, will you? Give us the next instalment in your life in a few weeks' time. Good luck. Come on, good luck. Cheers, the bull. Take care of yourself. Good luck. Oh my God, we got all sorts and bring it on. Text 0868104106. Can you beat that with the interior of your car? I don't know whether you can or not. I love the stories of the old... Oh, this is a good one. I'm talking 1943 here now, I think, with old wedding memories. Old wedding menus, I should say. Hugh, good morning. Morning, Neil. It was it's not an old wedding menu. It's is it an not? Old, um, it's an old menu from March 1943 from the Savoy restaurant. Oh, that the was old, a very posh one. That was a posh um, one. So it was wartime, and it was quite extraordinary, actually, because um, there was a lot of stuff available in this country that you obviously wouldn't get in England or elsewhere. But um, I was gassed the prices and everything else, because I was listening to the, the, the menus earlier. There's a lot of fun there, you know. with, with, with Yeah, some from the 40s, the 50s, lots from the 60s, huge amounts of yeah. people getting married in the Metropole back in the day. But have you got that 43 wartime Savoy menu? I have it. I, I took. I think it was my sister-in-law's husband showed it to me a couple of years ago, and I took um, a picture of it. And I have it here in front of me. And the top of it's very funny. It says, "It is illegal to serve butter with luncheons and dinners." So there you go. <laughs> rationing. No butter with the spud. Rationing. Yeah, but there, there was very little rationing in this country, Gordon, to this menu anyway, because uh, it had quite a lot of stuff. But it had a special on. The lunch was uh, from half twelve to three, and it was two and six, or a half crown, or as we used to call it in those days, um, a, a dollar. But, um, <laughs> so it was a half crown, but if you had the special, which was roast chicken and bacon, it was three bob. So, um, See, I can't, had, rela- I can't relate to whether that was a lot of money back then or not, was it? 
Well, I tell you, if I had it in my pocket back in 1943, I'd be running out the door and I'd be spending all around the place. So you you'll got you would, you would have had a lot of money in a half crown then. You'll be langers for a week, on it, I'd w- say. Would you really? So, the, so it was. It was only the. It was only very few could afford to spend and have lunch in the Savoy. Well, lunch in the Savoy was was pretty special. I'd imagine, all right, especially wartime. You know. Yeah, at any time, but certainly wartime. Okay, what else? Yeah. What else? Well, they had um, to start with clear vermicelli or cream of celery soup. And then going into the main course, they had chicken and ham cutlets or stewed steak and carrots or grilled sausages and mashed potatoes or roast leg of lamb or sorry, roast leg of mutton or roast sirloin of beef, cabbage, mashed turnips, spinach, boiled mashed or baked potatoes. And then the desserts were apple fritters or rice pudding or jelly or trifle or carrageen or stewed figs, which I thought was a medicine, or vanilla cream and vanilla ice. And you were only allowed coffee, no tea. So there you go. And would you say that menu would change daily then? Um, I would imagine it would because it was a specific date. I can't remember the date, but it, it, um, that, that never came up. I think I cut that out when I photographed it. But it was certainly March. Um, it would have changed, but by and large, most of the main courses would they'd roughly be the same. There would have been a bit of fish all right, thrown in from time to time, you know? Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think that would have probably been silver service with linen, wouldn't it? A bit like... Oh, I'd imagine so. Everything was back then. It was a, 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 what, what we call nowadays by is posh. Very posh. <laughs> yeah, and that and the Victoria posh, Hotel yeah. across the road would have been quite posh. Um, uh, not, I mean, uh, pro- probably one or two hotels besides... The, but I know the Victoria was very, very posh. There's some old black and whites of that. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, certainly the Met and and the Victoria were probably the two, I think, in in Cork back in those days, you know. But the Savoy was a superb place. You went right up the beautiful sweeping stairs. And and that was an upstairs restaurant, wasn't it, on the right? It it was. And um, I I remember as a little spratine going going to the movies. And I think it was 10 pence for downstairs. And I used to cut the grass before I go down and get uh, enough... uh, Upstairs, one and ten, I think it was. What do you, you remember? Know? What do you remember seeing there? Um, let me see. Uh, I think the last movie I saw there had George Seagal in it, and a rather beautiful lady. I can't remember who it was. Um, and it was a great movie. It was fun, but um. I saw all sorts of things like uh, the OK Corral, I remember. Gunfight at the OK Corral. It was probably in grey and white at the time. How but, far, um, I mean, how far back can you go yourself? Well, I'm 68 now, so um, I suppose, you know, going back 60 years, I would remember going to the Savoy. I get the, the bus down from Mayfield and um, meet my buddies down below. And we'd, 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 try and um, we'd try our hand at it, first of all, to get upstairs without being seen. But... Um, Dan, oh, Dan Welsh. Dan Welsh was, was, was um, standing at the top of the stairs in front of the shop looking evil. Um, so you, you didn't really pick too much of a chance. One of the nicest men you'd ever meet in your life, he was. Yeah, but he always had this grumpy look on his face. Well, you got to pay if you want to play. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, uh, I just thought I'd, I'd rattle it off to you. Great story. You know? Thanks for that. Appreciate you sharing. You're very welcome. Cheers You're to welcome. you. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. All right, you can pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. This is important. Important though, have a listen to this. Diamonds are forever. They are all I need to please me. 
get on the phone 1850 104 106 callers 10 and 11 a 250 euro voucher for Michelle the jeweller celebrating 60 years of being there for you can I just go back to the topics before 11 about rural um, isolation and depression and issues like that particularly over the last 20 months or so and particularly not necessarily exclusively to uh, people working in farming or farmers themselves but I know that um, the independent councillor Frank Roach was listening he's done an awful lot of work on this issue and joins me by phone briefly Frank good morning Neil how are you and there's one particular aspect that you wanted to pick up on is there well Neil you see uh, the problem here you an awful lot of young farmers they stay at home on the family farm and they could spend up to 20 or 40 years working on that farm waiting to take over the farm but what happens in the meantime is the other siblings that have gone away and got their respective jobs and kind of qualifications that have moved on they see now the value of the farms and they're coming back and they're forcing the elderly parents to give them a share of the assets, or in some cases, uh, all of the assets. And the one that has stayed at home, and at least 12 or 14 of the people that have committed suicide in this year, have suffered in this way that the family members have come back to take the farms off them. And our legal system, and I didn't have ambition to Gardaí. Our Gardaí haven't a clue how to handle these situations either. I was in a situation yesterday in North Cork where two members of the Gardaí called out to the, to the victim and at 9 o'clock at night and actually nearly attacked the victim. So we find out that... No, I, I mean, I can't drill into that very much now, obviously, because, um, yeah. you know, privacy. But what do you mean we victim? The victim, what I'm calling the victim is the person that would have stayed on the family farm after leaving school with the intention okay. to take you over the farm okay. and walk in the farm and being the farmer. But, the, I call him the victim. But wouldn't, it, now, wouldn't all of that be solved with a will, wouldn't it? But should you see the problem with the will? Uh, we, in, in my own personal case, the will was hid. And in an awful lot of cases, wills are being hid, wills are being interfered with. Now, I'm not saying all solicitors are bad, but if you're dealing with there is a few high-profile corrupt solicitors in the area that, that are causing an awful lot of these problems. And if you look, when, when I look at the, the case... But if there is a solicitor doing that, why aren't they, and I don't want to know the area nor the solicitors, of, but why aren't they being reported to uh, the bar councillor, being reported to uh, whoever deals with overlooking the works and practices of a solicitor? Which is the problem we're having here is, if you had something up in your desk this minute and you hid it, right, I might know you hid it, but prove it is something else. Why would they want to and do that, though? Because they're, 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 in, in some cases, our farms are worth millions. The other siblings are actually going in with big sums of cash and bribing the solicitors. And I'm, I'm ah, but have you evidence of that? You see, this is our problem. We know what's happening, but yeah. prove it is something else. Yeah, I know, I know. We do know what's happening, but prove it, right? And if you were to farm with four or five million, and if you throw 50,000 up, up on the table in cash, right, it's very easy to hide the will up the dump the wheel at that Good point. God. I mean, that is just, that's fraud, like. Now, the other thing is, like, I, you're talking about one, I, I can't, I don't want to make it too specific, right? But, uh, well, we let's not even go there. Do you know what I mean? If, yes, if, if you get into areas that'll get yourself into trouble, don't. Yeah, in, in all these farm abuse cases, right, it's a very small number of the legal professional involved in them. And when you look right. around, and when you look around, and when you see, when you analyse the problems, now I'm covering all the cock, I've gone slightly into Kerry, slightly into Waterford, slightly into Limerick. And 
It's amazing. It's the same legal firm. All right. Okay. And I, and I okay. You've said that. Okay. You've you've said that. You've made that point very well. Just so, just looking at it so as as a as a problem, which clearly it is. You said that something like eight of the suicides that I've been talking about this morning on farms are is it, are the son who stayed on the farm thinking that he was going to get it. Yes. And of course, without going into any specific details, it reminds of reminds us of the murder suicide in Kentucky, I suppose, in some regards, yes, doesn't it? Yes. The murder suicide. Well, one in Kentucky was actually unique in so far as both of those are well educated and both of them went at home. Yeah. But in an awful lot of the cases, where you have the, the son that did his leaving test, did an agricultural course, stayed at home on the family farm, stayed there with two elderly parents. And the, the siblings went off and when we go north, the Mitchell we call it Dublin, yeah. uh, went off in the civil service, got their good jobs, right? But now at this stage, they're coming back and they, they have big mortgages and houses. Their children are going to talk yeah. about education. Yeah. They need money. Yeah. And what they're claiming to the elderly parents then is that Johnny that's at home, the property is worth three or four million, he have a hundred thousand I think on payment, and look what Johnny has, and I have nothing. And have they? Is there? And do they have a point in that? I wonder that maybe they're entitled to something, but not as much as he who stayed to to run it. This is the problem. Yes, and you see, in and and girls in particular are coming back now, whereas in the past girls didn't come back as much, but now girls are coming back and attacking the family farms as well. And did that always happen, or is it happening now more than ever before? It's happening now more because properties are more available. And the other thing is the ones that went off, now they're starting to find problems with their finances in their homes. Um, their children are going to third level and then getting more expensive yeah. Um, yeah. to educate. And they're finding that they are being tightened in their own finances. So the only place that they can attack then is the family farm or the family wealth, but they had left 20 Okay, and so that also is creating a lot of bullying and mental torture and anguish, anxiety and worry for the elderly farmer and perhaps the elderly farmer and his wife. Yes, and you see the problem here. We they have, can't solve oh, it. They want to do the oh, right oh, thing, oh, but... Algadi oh, oh, can't identify where this is happening. And this is why I'm calling for training. In they're oh, civil matters though, surely, Frank. But should we say, we know they're civil matters. But what actually happens is when the bullies come back then they're starting... In cases where they're trying to get um, orders against, uh, bearing orders against family members going to meet their elderly parents, going oh to meet their mothers, God, or going to meet their mothers. And you have the, the ones that are coming home creating the bullying <coughs> are getting orders passed by the guardies and passed by all judges and passed by our legal system to actually bear the victim from having uh, to, 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 to be able to talk or be able to, to meet with the elderly parents. But should that victim, as you described him, is the fellow working the farm? The fellow working the farm, yes. Oh, my God almighty. It's a nightmare. But, like, this is absolutely... Like, I, Friday night, I was in Westcock. Saturday night, I was slightly outside the water boundary. Last night, I was in, we call it, Norcock. I have three farmers' sons in the last three nights that the one in Westcock... I honestly believe if I hadn't met him on Friday, I would think we'd have another, we'd have another statistics today. You just go in to talk him down and to chat with him and to well, listen. See, and the other thing, like, look, when I go to meet these, my profession is an agricultural contractor. I'm on their own level. I'll go in. I won't put on a Colentine suit. I'll go in with my walking clothes. I'll go in on their own level. I'll sit down at the table. I'll have the cup of tea with them. I act the very same as if I went in there as, as walking on the farm. And they'll automatically open up to me because I'm on their own level. And this is where 
People won't drink Samaritans. They won't drink the, 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 the helplines because the people that are meeting the helplines can't identify them. No, in an awful lot. I don't know what I'd say to somebody like that. I just, I wouldn't know. But, but I might spend four hours talking to farmers. We might spend two hours talking about farming, tractors, cows. Yeah. The general farming. Icebreakers, yeah. We might only actually spend a half an hour talking about the problem. But like the man who was talking to me the other morning, you've lifted a load off of my mind. You just need somebody oh, that could identify them. And what you needed was somebody that went through it themselves that nobody talking about and that believed them. But what's happening in all Gardaí, they're rushing out, they haven't time for the, they have another car waiting somewhere else, they haven't time for others, right? And the bullies in most cases are better able to get their point to cross than the victim. Mm. And in the case of North Might North be more streetwise, or, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. But yeah. In, in the case last night, no, in, 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 in uh, Well, I don't want to know any specific so, areas. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was... Very, very disappointed with the way the two young members of the Gardaí treat that man. And to be quite honest with you, I rang him to Farney to because I still had a fear yeah. that we'd have another sadistic to Farney. Now, well, I, it I, went from 38 to 39 over the weekend from when I watched the report. There was another one added to it of suicide. There's another one, yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 No. Okay. Like, yeah. Like these, these when, when I've spoken to, to, to senior members of the Gardaí and in one case, he said, ah, Frank, he said, in that bed. And I named four. And he said, yes, 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 right? Yeah. And then he said, look, Frank, he said, we can't be talking about it. Don't be highlighted. Now, I think it's very important to highlight it. Because I honestly think that if we don't highlight it, we'll have some more of them. All right. Well, listen, thanks for coming on air. Do feel free to stay in touch. It's alarming what you're saying this morning. Absolutely alarming. But thanks all the same, Frank. And well done on the what, intervention what, what, what work we, that you're doing. What, what, what we need to do... First of all, our Gardaí, what I say to Gardaí, I'm going to police committee meeting this evening. We don't solve these problems in courtrooms. We solve them at the kitchen table. All right, all right. And the first thing, you don't send out two young girls that are only after sending up the weeks above inside in Temple Moor coming out trying to solve this. You need somebody with a head. You need somebody that has done truth. You need somebody that has suffered to understand both sides. So there will be a few lies told. They'll be a uh, bit to be flowered up and to be dented over and pushed up. But the person with experience will know the truth. And this is what's happening with our Gardaí. Our Gardaí don't understand it. Mm. Then, uh, if the Gardaí go into housing states, uh, they'll tell them both the two sides and forget her and walk away. But in this case, they say to the civil matter, employ your solicitor. And the solicitor sees a crack of gold, you have a property worth two or three million, there's a crack of gold in the end. You're There's totally a crock of gold to split it up, you're saying. To split it up, and what likely happened is to the legal firm will end up with the money, not the same thing. Most alarming. Thanks for that. I wasn't expecting a call like that this morning, but thank you for it, Frank, all the same. Independent Councillor Frank Roach, the amount of disputes over land and over the farm. And, of course, we do know of that, and we saw the ultimate consequence to that, and there was loss of life, the deaths of three members of the one family and murder-suicide incident in Turk. Um, last year, it had its origins in a dispute over their farm, according, and we heard that, of course, at the inquest. Uh, if you are actually in farming and can relate to any of that, I would love to hear from you, even anonymously. Email neil at redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at neilredfm. And uh, Siobhan McCarthy is in Belgooley. Morning, Siobhan. Good morning. And over the hill from me, Nicola O'Shea in Holly Hill. Morning, Nicola. 
morning, Neil. All right. One of the two of you will win a 250 euro voucher, courtesy of ourselves, Michelle, the jewellers on Patrick Street. Okay? Now, this all involves the diamonds from a deck of cards, and I have the extra large ones in front of me. There are 13 cards now, okay? I have 13 cards. So I've shuffled them once. I'm shuffling them again now. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, Siobhan, you're first on my screen, so you'll have the first opportunity to pick any number, and I'll tell you what the corresponding card is. Can I just say, ace is high. Ace, if, you, if either of you get an ace... You win. Game's over. So, Siobhan, if you get the ace, Nicholas out. So, give me a number between 1 and 13. Number 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Number 7. <laughs> it's an ace. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. Actually, that was not supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I am so sorry Nicola oh no, my god you didn't, even, you didn't even get a chance <laughs> don't have to leave thanks very much my sincerest apologies Nicola O'Shea and Holly Hill try again tomorrow will you I will indeed thanks a million you are taking it in good spirits Siobhan it's your lucky day girl imagine that it 13. sure is and I have it here in front of me to prove it 250 euro voucher for you courtesy of ourselves and Michelle the jewellers congratulations alright Thank you so much. That's fantastic. I'm thrilled. Wait a second. Who are you going to spend it on? Would it be yourself or use it as a gift for Christmas or what? I'd say myself, Mark, probably. Oh, get a nice piece of jewellery for yourself. A bit. What do they say? A bespoke piece of jewellery for yourself and enjoy it. Absolutely. Thank well you done. so much. You're welcome. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. My sincerest apologies to poor old Nicola. Well done, Siobhan, and enjoy spending it. Lines will stay open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Before I love you and leave it, just a few texts before I go. One is a congratulations and well done. I've had dinner there on a couple of occasions, lunch once or twice, and then, you know, a six o'clock dinner in uh, May Fitz's in Lasarda. If you haven't eaten there, you should check it out. It just recently won bronze, silver and gold medals and best in their categories in the National Colliery Championships in the RDS over the last three days. And they were the only chef representing Cork. Three competitions, three medals. So congratulations to Daniel Healy of May Fitz's in Lasarda. A job well done. From food to drink, or indeed to spiking. Take a walk into town between Thursday night and Sunday night and look at the state of the women there falling all over the place. They're sculling down drink before they go out and they're even worse in the pubs, says John. Who questions the conversation about spiking of drinks at all? He says it's just overindulgence. Well, I'm sorry, John, but I believe women who tell me it was their first drink. It was their first drink. I got spiked about 14 years ago in a well-known pub in Cork. I was in my 20s. My boyfriend at the time knew something wasn't right. So he got us a taxi to the CUH and it turns out that I was spiked with horse tranquilizer, says Mary. This is another one for you. My drink was spiked 21 years ago. This is a text from a female. My drink was spiked 21 years ago and I'll never forget the feeling. The backstory is that I fell out with a friend because of a new friend that she made. I felt the new friend was dangerous, you see. The new friend took a dislike to me and tried to beat me up one night but I just got away in time. Fast forward a few weeks and I'm at a nightclub with my friends and my ex-friend and her new friend came up to me with drinks. Uh, They put them on the table and said that they apologised to me. I accepted the apology. Uh, I did it because I didn't want any hassle. So we had a drink together. And then they left. After that, I completely lost the ability to walk, 
to talk. I had to be helped up by my then boyfriend. I knew what was going on in my head. I wasn't out of it in my head, but I just couldn't move properly nor speak a single word. It was so scary, but most just presumed I was drunk. Until a friend told me the following day that she thinks my drink was spiked, that the girl is known for doing that kind of thing. I knew in my heart I wasn't normal drunk, but never thought something like that would ever happen to me, especially having it done to me by a girl. I was lucky my boyfriend looked after me. I didn't report it because I didn't want my parents to know. I know people might think there is more spiking going on now, but I think there's always been spiking, but people are just more aware now. People were just written off at the time as just being blind drunk. One other one here. Um, you referenced bar staff perhaps doing the spiking. It is a known fact that in many holiday resorts overseas, bar staff spike drinks and get paid to do so. And one final one for now. Just listening to Lisa's story on air on Friday morning, I'm wondering if anyone took into consideration the possibility that it could have been the barman that spiked her drink, says Fionn. And those texts to 086-8104-106. I love you and leave you for today. Uh, back in the morning, so do get in touch, particularly if you have a story to share. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. We didn't deal any of the lovely stories that I have following on from last week about my the, the greatest husband and the greatest partner and the greatest dad just because there's just so many. We want to sit down and package it and attack it properly and we'll come back to those stories uh, first thing in the morning. So have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.